Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, happy Tuesday, Singapore, Tokyo, United Kingdom, Cougar Nation, wherever you are. We're the wise guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. It used to be Tuesday was not the best day of the week, but it is the best day of the week. Oh, yeah, easily. We just taped AFR. That's just finished Just finished up on BYU TV, and then we rushed right over here to our undisclosed location, and we talked Cougars for two hours. More and more people that have come to the studio now know we're the... It's disclosed to them now. Yeah. But they've been, whenever they come, we swear them to secrecy that they can't tell where we are. Yeah. For, for security reasons. And there's not a lot of parking. No, there's <laughs> not a lot of parking. Hey, here's <laughs> what just happened a short time ago. BYU basketball released their new uniform configuration for the coming season. Here it is. Gone is Brigham Young from the chest. And uh, it is BYU. And as you see, Blaine, it is Royal Trim. With the white and just the opposite for the road jerseys. And we will see them November 7th when they open up against Idaho State live on BYU TV. You and I will be on the call. And those are the jerseys we'll see. What do you think? I, I really like them. What, what I saw just a bit ago, I I think it pops. I, it's clean. Yeah, I really, really like it. And uh, Nike's really visible there. Yeah. So, no, I, I think it's a really, really good look. It'll be a really, really good look when the team's up by, like, 25 points. Then and I think everyone's going... And, and you know, the people know... When, I, when I'm back east and I say Brigham Young University, I mean, they kind of... They're like, oh, yeah. When yeah. I go BYU, they just know who BYU is. That just rolls off the tongue. So I like just BYU on the jersey. I think, I think that's the um, what people relate to. And to me, I want the basketball... You know, you need to just be clean and look yeah. good, and those ones look really good. So that's fresh and new. We looked at their schedule uh, last week, and, of course, Mark Pope was on with us a couple of yep. weeks ago, and he'll be on with us again. Uh, so some basketball news right out of the gate. We want to remind you to subscribe to our weekly email. It's on our homepage, ysguys.com. You just fill out your name and your email, and then you get highlights from the show. Because let's be honest, people are busy on Tuesday. They might not have two full hours of us in their life, but they get this email, they get the highlights from the show, and then they find out all the things they need to know. Right. There's a bunch of ways you can can join in with us. Come with us live on Tuesday nights, like yeah. those that are on with us right now. BYU Sports Addicts already chimed in. Um, and then, uh, but there's also the podcast that you could download and listen to in, in your car. There's the highlights that come out. We're out on YouTube. We're on every podcast platform that you Look can Look at think all those of. things. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many ways that you could watch it, and you could just go to the site, ysguys.com, and you can click and see just bits and pieces of interviews or entire interviews. However you want to do it, join us for the full two hours. Join us after the fact and watch it for a whole two hours. Listen to the po- Whatever you want to do. We're here for you. We're here for you. Just get, just get a slice <laughs> we're of every, whatever. We're everywhere for you, and we'd love for you to subscribe and, and do all of that stuff, too. we got a big show tonight, some awesome guests. Let's roll the tease of what we've got coming up tonight. Of course, we're going to break down the Oregon game, give you our take on a, how a top 10 finish is still possible. A New Year's Six Bowl is still possible within BYU's reach, despite what we saw last weekend in Eugene. Yeah, hey, and coming up tonight, we got a great show uh, ahead. It, we're, we're going to call it Receiver Night. 
tonight because on the Wise Guys, we have two of the best to ever suit up at BYU. Margin Hooks is coming on to join us in just a few minutes here at 6.15. And then Austin Collie is going to join us at 7.15. So receiver night, because they say, they say uh, it's better to give than receive, except for this show tonight. Right. We've got the receivers. No, we're we're going to give. And we're going to give. We're going to give the receivers to everybody <laughs> out there. So. Austin Collie may be the best that ever suited up at BYU, and Margin Hooks is right behind him. Yeah, and I just, I, I just so wish Austin hadn't been knocked around so much uh, in the NFL and had the concussion uh, issues because he was on a run where he was – he was playing in dominating fashion in the NFL and was quick becoming Peyton Manning's favorite receiver with the Colts. And it was it was fun to watch his skill set translate to the next level and then just really cut short with concussions. And we're going to talk to him. His three quarterbacks that he had caught pa- passes from, uh, Max Hall, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. So we've got a few questions about that. For yeah, and I think he went on a golfing trip with all the old, old with uh, Keel and all. We had Keel on with us. Was it last yeah. week? I think he. I think he joined that golfing trip down to SoCal. We'll have to find out who won that extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. The SoCal golfing extravaganza. We're going to discuss the Wyoming Cowboys. They're up next for BYU Saturday night. Game details and game day details are coming up as well. And tonight, along with receiver night, we also have one of the greatest of all time. So we call him the goat. When we talk about track and field Absolutely. and cross country, Olympian and BYU track and cross country coach Ed Eyestone is going to join us and talk about how he plans to replace <laughs> two-time national champion Connor Mance. How's that's that not, even possible? That's not an easy task, is it? But no. uh, Ed always seems to find somebody great um, at the, to develop. So, and they got a big meet coming up at Oklahoma State, so uh, it's perfect timing to have. Ed Eyestone on with us. I bumped into him on campus the other day, and I didn't recognize him because of his mustache, and, his, and he's wearing a hat. And uh, we got to talking, and I'm realizing, oh, my gosh, this is who I'm talking to. I'm talking to an Olympian. Yep. No, he's just – sometimes he's just got to go low-key yeah. because it's hard. It's hard up on campus being at Eyestone, so sometimes you have to wear a hat, grow a mustache. <laughs> hey, get your and, questions ready for go, margin and hooks. And go low-key. And Austin Colley and, uh, and for Ed Eyestone. Uh, AP Top 25. BYU slipped from 12 to 19 after the loss on Saturday. Oregon jumped from 25 to 16. And Baylor is 17. Future opponent Arkansas sitting at number 10. Any pole position surprise you? I, I was actually surprised. I thought BYU would be between 20 and 23. I, I, I thought 20 was probably wishful thinking. So, honestly, I was really, really pleased that BYU only went to 19. That, that shows you how much credibility Oregon has at home, right? Yeah, and as we sit here on this Tuesday, and we're going to talk about Saturday, Saturday was another football game without Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Of course, the number one question throughout Cougar Nation is, all right, what about this week? What about Saturday night? Will we see Puka, and we, will we see Gunnar? Um, could we see both? Will we see one of them? Uh, I know you're working your phone for some answers, but that, what do you think? Are we going to see them both? So I, I think we're going to see both Gunnar and Puka. Do you? On Saturday. Yeah, um, and... And the nice part about Gunner is that, like, his the, his injury didn't keep him from running and lifting and doing all that. Yeah. So I feel like when Gunner comes back, he's he's going to be, like, fresh legs, like it's the first game of the season feeling great, right? Right. He's going to still have all that bounce and all that speed, and I think he's going to have an immediate impact. I think Puka probably comes back this week, too, but... But Puka's coming back from an ankle injury, and so he's got to kind of run himself 
uh, back to where he's strong and feel like he can cut and all that. I feel like Gunner's going to be at full speed. But I feel like this week you got to get them both back yeah. because then you can build through a couple of games before you've got Notre Dame and Arkansas back-to-back. We'll look for that. And so Saturday uh, on game day, BYU Sports Nation game day, we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. We'll have our cameras in the stadium. And we'll be keeping an eye on whether those two come out to warm up and catch some passes. And if they do, and BYU, let's say, gets the ball first or, or whatever, whenever they get the ball, and that offense runs out onto the field in front of 60,000-plus, and Puka and Gunner are out there with that starting group, you know, it'll be like Christmas uh, come early, and that, that energy will be interesting. Yeah, they're, they're game-changing dynamic players, right? Yeah. So, um like, I, I really feel strongly that they'll both be back this week. And, and that makes BYU a better football team sure. when, when they're both back. Um, and like I said, I feel like Gunner will be full speed ahead. And I don't know if Puka's going to be full speed. But I feel like you build and then you have them both full speed by the time you play Notre Dame and Arkansas. Absolutely. And then you're in business. You know, those guys are going to be tough to guard. Well, and think about it. They've developed – Chase Roberts has really stepped up and developed with those two out. And, and – and, Hill has done a really nice job. And then we saw Epps this last week step up in a big way. Cospers made a lot of catches. So the one thing it's done is it's really made BYU a much deeper group at wide receiver than they were with better experience. And now lots of guys to have to worry about. You throw those two back in, mm-hmm. two NFL-type receivers, with the depth of the young guys that they have now, and, and all of a sudden BYU's hard to match up with on the outside and in the slot. There are two stories coming out of Oregon. Uh, let's talk about the second first. Uh, the, the fans in the stands, and I watched some video, and there were a bunch of them. It wasn't a group of five or ten or fifteen uh, doing the uh, – uh, doing the chant, F you Mormons, over and over and over and over and over. And um, uh, and the same, it was the same chant at the USC game last November. Right. So right. post-game is Apology Central from USC, uh, football coach, athletic director, school press, and all that in November. The next game in a Pac-12 venue is last week against Oregon. These are the top two. These are the crown jewels of the league. And I wrote about it in the Deseret News. The crown jewels of the Pac-12. And so what do we see in the post-Oregon stuff? Apology after apology. Even today, the head football coach came out and apologized for the actions of of a few. A few consider, you know, there are 50,000 people at the game. But this wasn't five or six. This was a, a, a concerted effort. And that's why it's gotten so much attention. Um, it's pathetic. It's embarrassing as a human being. Uh, it's not F-U-B-Y-U, which is still appalling to, to shout at somebody. They, they didn't, it, it's, it's a religion they're going after, and it's so stupid um, and, and uh, embarrassing to witness. Embarrassing that we even have to talk about it here in 2022, that these giant fan bases, when you go to their stadium, this is what BYU fans are peppered with. And it's stupid and embarrassing and, and totally uncalled for. It's, it's religious bigotry. Yeah. That's just what it is. And it's wrong. And I just don't see I don't think you're going to see it in the Big 12. I think it's a Pac-12 thing. That's, yeah. that's a commentary on that league and, and what they tolerate. They're too tolerant on things like that. Now, I will say this. If, if they were in BYU Stadium and, and, and some students in BYU student section started yelling something that was foul and offensive, I would expect the other students and the people sitting around that group to shout them down, just say, hey. We're not doing that. We don't do that in our stadium. Right. We, we're, we're the hosts here. That's ridiculous. That's religious bigotry. That's whatever it is. 
I would expect people in the stands to, to step up and take control of that or go get security and say, hey, we tell these people to stop. It's bothering all of us around here. Because I would imagine it would bother um, Goodwill Oregon fans as well. Because yeah, there's a lot should. of them. It there's, should. there's a lot of great Oregon fans that are going, oh, man, that's embarrassing. And but, but, no, coach, but do something about their it. Their football then. coach is saying it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's on video. Um, so I, you know. And the same thing with USC. Uh, you know, yeah. Large groups of yep. people. Large enough to have a stadium chant going. And, and you know what else I, I, I have, don't uh, have a lot of patience for is uh, the BYU fan that just says, ah, you know, they were kidding or it's a joke or enough. We, we, uh, we get, I wear it as a badge of courage. That is BS. We don't wear that as a badge of courage. Um, it, it, that whole mentality is what chased the, the pioneers across the United States, you know, ousted from one place after another of, you know, F them. We don't care about them. And so here in 2022, that, that chant in a public venue is not acceptable and it's not sour grapes and it's not winding that, that it happened. It's, it's, we're sick of that. And yeah. it's, and it's, um, and, and, and like you said, it's not, it's not nice to say that about BYU, but they weren't saying BYU. No. No. They they were saying more. They specifically picked out the religion. The thing that's that's ironic about the whole thing is their best player on their defense is Sewell, who is who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and they have multiple players on that team over time. The best defender probably in the history of that university is Halodinata, who's LDS. Yeah, who's the like, ignorance is off yeah, the charts, it's, and it's, the USC ignorance totally off the yeah, charts. and. You know their coach needs to apologize because it's uh, he's got to recruit some of those. They like to recruit yeah. those really. Oh good, yeah, hey, don't really don't mind athletes. that. Those are students. Don't. Oh, you're going to class with them. Yeah, yeah. that's who we are. And they're out on the field representing you. So yeah. so please stop it. All right, so, so we're done talking about that. But we just wanted it's been in the papers again today since their coach came out, and you can read more about it in the Deseret News. Um, but the two crown jewels of the Pac-12 need some public polish. USC and Oregon to be playing those, and BYU plays at Stanford. Who knows what'll happen at the end of the season? I have a feeling no, Stan- that BYU Stan- fans will outnumber Stanford ten well, to one. Stan- Stanford fans are a whole whole different deal because they don't really care. They don't <laughs> they care don't about their care. own team. They they have the students come to the to the tailgate, and there's tons of like you walk because remember my son-in-law played there, and we would go to games, and this is when they were a top five football team with Christian McCaffrey. Dallas was playing free safety. They were winning Rose Bowls. They, and we'd walk through the tailgate, and I'd go, wow, there's going to be a good crowd here today, especially look at all the students. They'd be out at the tailgate, yeah. and then nobody would make their way into the stadium to watch the game. <laughs> it's like, I was like, what, is going, what is going on around here? So they're a little, they're a little too... Um, a little too apathetic at Stanford. And then the next one after that's up at Utah in 24. Yeah. Uh, and, and who and knows, that might be what, a Big 12 game by yeah, then. And, but I don't think Utah's fans would tolerate that chance. No, because no, they get it no, too. Utah's fans would step up. Yeah, they, like, they hear it when they go. It's a heated rivalry, but but the Utah fans and the BYU fans would draw a line at that, yeah. I think. I think so. so. I think they have. There's a few radicals here and there, but um, but the Utes hear it too when they go on the road. I'm sure they heard plenty in, in the swamp. But uh, but nothing like this, and and it's a national thing. It deserves much more national attention than it's going to get. But uh, but now the wise guys have, have talked about it, and we go, we go all over the world. The game didn't go BYU's way. It was forty-one to twenty, and the Ducks uh, they rushed it uh, all game long. Outrushed BYU two hundred and twelve to sixty-one. Just couldn't get off the field. Couldn't stop them on fourth down. They scored on six straight possessions. It was like. 
It was like Blaine that we had a game plan prepared for one thing and Oregon came out and did another. Yeah, and, and that's a that's it in a nutshell. Um, but you you've got to do a better job of adjusting. So um, you know what happens in this game? You're, you're playing an Oregon team with a brand new staff and including a brand new offensive coordinator. And in their opener against Georgia, I like I think to everybody's surprise, they kind of went out and ran what Oregon on offense has been doing for years. And I think maybe in the coach's mind, they're thinking, you know what? We're coming in here. We've got all these athletes that were recruited to run this spread and perimeter game. So much speed. Maybe we need to kind of just kind of stick with what they've done and what they know. And as we, we can morph this offense as, as we recruit and bring our kinds of guys in, right? Yeah. And, and then they just got hammered by Georgia. Um, and then I think they said, you know what? We need... Let's run our stuff. Let's put in the packages. Let's put in some different packages. Let's do what we know. Let's let's get in some big sets and bring three tight ends in or two tights, and let's run some power and let's run some counter, like stuff that Oregon traditionally hasn't run. Yeah. And they didn't need it for Eastern Washington. This is where I think they're, they were brilliant. I believe they worked on it for a couple of weeks to implement these new wrinkles to their offense. They ran the same kinds of things they did against Georgia and had no problem against Eastern Washington because they just completely outmanned that FCS team. Um, and they came into that game, and they caught BYU off guard. BYU prepared for the Oregon offense that was run at Georgia and at Eastern Washington against Eastern Washington. And they were expecting perimeter attack, and Oregon ran it at them. And, and BYU, as they tried to make adjustments, um, First of all, I think the staff could have made them a little quicker. And then secondly, when they finally did try to make some adjustments, the, the players didn't do a great job. They kind of let that big environment and all yeah. that noise and confusion get to them as they're trying to transition and play a different style of defense to address that attack. They were in the wrong gaps. They were taking the wrong angles. They had a ton of missed tackles. The missed tackles were because um, – not because Oregon's so fast. It, they are fast. So is Baylor. But against Baylor, BYU – Baylor's run the same thing for a couple of years. BYU was in the right gaps. Guys are playing in the hole where they're supposed to be, downhill, with confidence. They're in a square position to make a play. And against Oregon, oh, I'm in the wrong gap. Oh, he's running over there. Now I'm diving out and sticking my arm out. Guys in the wrong places, taking the wrong angles. And, and I believe they let that environment get to them. So their heads were spinning a little bit. They weren't thinking well. And so, so BYU as a team and as a staff didn't do a good job of adjusting to that great game plan that Oregon brought. And then when you get on your heels, like uh, my son Kellen and Dave Nixon played in a game, they reminded me when they played Tulsa a number of years ago back there, yeah. and they got on their heels, and it was just like they just couldn't, you just can't do anything right. No. And you just feel overwhelmed. And, and you're second-guessing, and then they're coming at you with the next play. And that doesn't mean that you're not good. That means that you had a really bad day in a really rough environment. With and a, we all have bad days. With a not-so-good game plan, right? Yeah. Yeah, the and good news uh, is we can fix all that. Yeah, well, All if, that's fixable. If, if, if the team just knocks you off the ball five yards um, and you can't tackle guys because they're running right over the top of your guys or they're, they're, their wide receivers are running past you um, all, all game long because you don't have the speed to keep up with them, well, there's not much you can do about that, is there? But, but none of those are the case. BYU got out-schemed, and they executed so horrifically, all those things can be fixed. If you got speed and physicality and, and those kinds of things, you can fix those things. And so here comes Wyoming. Wyoming's a, 
Why was that going to come with a whole new offense? They, they, they run what they run. Um, uh, uh, Bowl, who's the head coach, does a great job with that group. But BYU knows what to expect. I expect them to have a much get better game plan, to play faster without hesitation, to take better angles, to be in their gaps and be more disciplined. Because that's what they were for the first two weeks. That's th- what they were against Baylor. And so um, it's, uh, it, it should be... It should be a good situation, um, and BYU has a couple, you know, a couple of games here to get their mojo back here at home. Question from uh, one of our streamers uh, about there's a rumor floating around late today that Dallin Holker might be considering a transfer. Um, that the tight end room uh, wants more passes; they're not getting a whole lot of passes. Uh, Isaac Rex got one for a touchdown on Saturday. Holker got one. Um, I'm not sure where we're at on that. Um, any more, there's stuff that flies so, out so of social media. Every, and everybody who out, knows? all out on the internet today is always talk about Dallin Hoker transferring. And you know what? He might. And uh, he, he's obviously not happy with the distribution of the tight ends. Right. Um, but so I'll ask this question Who transfers when they're a sophomore on a team that's been ranked for the last three years will likely end up ranked again this year? Could be in a New Year's Six. Is on the rise, is going into a Power Five conference. Um, and all the rumors on the internet are that he's going to Utah, where they, they feature the tight ends. Well, if he was at Utah right now, he would be their third guy. He's not going to be in front of Kincaid, who's a veteran. He's not right. going to be in front of Keithy, who's an NFL guy and a veteran. He'd be the third tight end there right now. So he wouldn't be catching more balls there right now. Now, Kincaid's going to graduate. I think I think uh, um, Keithy's also so done. So maybe he's thinking, well, next year I'm the guy, and Isaac Rex is. Um, so, so it's just interesting. I This young impatience... That, that young players have. And, and, I, and I don't know enough about this situation yeah. to say that. And we'll see. But let's, let's just say this in general. Yeah. The impatience that young players have is disturbing. Well, and Ty Devereaux was talking about and that. And it's ill-advised. And Ty, talked to us about that. Yeah. Where he's just like, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. You, you, you stay patient, you grind, and good things happen to you. But, but we've seen it all out on the internet. That could happen. Now, remember, if he is going to transfer, he can't transfer to the last two weeks of the season. Yes. So, so if all of a sudden he is... And that's true, and we're not saying that it is. Well, what do you do between now and then? Yeah. So that's so, why we'll see. We'll yeah, see so, about so it'll be, practice. It'll, next it'll be real. Of days. It'll be really interesting. So, but it's floating so, out there. So we're not confirming or denying. No. We we have we're heard, discussing. We have heard this because it's all over the internet today. So we're just and and when I say, I'm not saying that Dallin Holker is doing. I'm just saying that this is the mentality of a lot of young players. That oh I'm not I'm not, I'm not happy with my role here I'm going to go someplace else and we've seen a lot of those transfer and not have a better role at the other place. Our so. first guest tonight caught at least one pass in 36 straight games as a receiver for Lavelle Edwards between 1997 and 2000. He finished with over 2,800 career receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. A pleasure to welcome Margin Hooks live from Dallas, Texas, to the Wise Guys. Margin, welcome to the show. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad you guys have me on. Margin, it's so good to see you, and we're so glad to have you on. This is great. Look, if the Dallas oh, if the Dallas Cowboys have a couple more injuries at receiver, are you on their speed dial over there? <laughs> I'm, West, I'm way past the key game. My body is shut <laughs> down if I try to push them on. I, I think I think the, the catching skills will never leave you, but the hamstrings might not hold up, right? Oh, the hamstring's not even going to make it. I can catch all day. And I tell people, as you get older, you just learn a better uh, uh, communication game. I just talk a lot of noise, but I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> hey, one of our uh, streamers, and, and and we're all over the world here tonight, is we're, we're, we're actually building the largest gathering of BYU fans 
uh, online in prime time uh, in the world. And and uh, and this, uh, you can confirm this or not. Are you the last BYU player to wear number fourteen? I am. Then they retired. Matter of fact, I, I talked to Ty about that. I thanked him for getting the jersey retired. <laughs> I tell people, oh, my jersey retired, and they're like, "Oh, really? That has nothing to do with me." <laughs> number 14 well, is indeed the, retired great, the great Gifford Nielsen and and uh, and of course with with Ty well you win a Heisman trophy they usually retire it don't yeah, they they should so. yeah they should hey uh you wore the bibs yeah they should you wore the bibs back in the day um what did you think of those those bib jerseys <laughs> yeah, I did <laughs> you know what I like the bib. The big guys didn't because right in the, the area of the bib where they probably in the stomach area, it was kind of made them look a little funny, kind of like a little penguin. Like a little penguin. But the big guys didn't like it. I actually liked it. If they looked okay. If you were sleek and fast, it looked good. But And, not- and if we were ahead, it always yeah. looked good if we were so, ahead. So what Margin's saying is it made the fat guys look fatter than they really were, and that's never good. That's never good. <laughs> I'll never do it. And I have a couple of them give me calls. They like to couple of them out there like that. <laughs> hey, Margin, you, you were a standout receiver at Waco High School in, in Waco, Texas, coming out when he, when he came to BYU. That Baylor win two weeks ago, was that just a little bit sweeter for you with your background and, and growing up there? Oh man, it was lovely. Oh man, it, it. I didn't have to. I mean, I talked so much noise before the game, and afterwards <laughs> I was just silent. I just looked at people, and they're looking at me crazy, and they're like, "But you're from Waco?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm from there." But you know, I tell people, all, you know, I train a lot of guys, so I'm like, "You'll never see me put on another school colors unless my son goes somewhere." Other than that, I'm BYU through and through. I love that. Hey, another question coming in: uh, Which BYU receiver? Current or former reminds you the most of you. Ooh. Yeah, there's been some good ones. There's been some, man. And they got some good ones right now. There's some good ones there now, man. It's And they're different type. You know, I, I look at myself. I was more of a smaller compared to some of these guys that's coming in. I was like a tweener. I wasn't the smallest, but I wasn't the biggest. Um, Man. It's so many. I, mean, I just call a lot of them. I feel their game probably way beyond where mine, you know, you know was. But um, just off the top of my head, um, I can give you some that I like. But like me, I don't even know. I don't even know what I was like. As I'm thinking back to when you were playing, you had the, you had the great speed to be able to stretch a defense, but you could run the routes and come like just kind of a great combo guy. And and you could play out on the outside, but if they needed you to play in the slot, you could do that. And and I'm wondering, you know, um, Epps just kind of had a standout game this last week with Puka and those guys gone. And and Epps has kind of got that speed to stretch yeah. the defense, and he had some great back shoulder throws. I'm wondering if Epps could develop into somebody um, like like Margin. And then somebody else said, you know, one of our guys just said, "Hey Blaine, what about Hill?" Keanu Hill. And, and Keanu is a taller version of Margin, Keanu's but a lot a, of the same skills. Keanu is a big body. Yeah, he's, he's a big, big body. I worked with him during the summer. I wasn't like that. I you know I don't know because I was like a tweener. You no, know, people ask me, "Were you inside guy, outside guy?" Like. I lined up all over the field. Yeah. You know, the only place I didn't like lining up, now these guys, I was like, they put me on the wing to Baca. It was a stretch play going away from me. I had to, to hinge and block the backside in. 
And it was like a bear swatting a fly when he slapped me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I hate. I like, I'd never do that again. And they laughed at them. Like, all you can see is me wrapping my legs around the defensive end's legs, trying to trip him. You know, and they're looking at the I'm like, he didn't make the tackle, though. But I'm like, that's the only part of the field. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> but, you know, with Lavelle's and Norman, their offense, you just lined up. I lined up everywhere. Yeah, like, all over. Slide with it outside. It was all over. So, you know. Now they have things kind of scheme where, okay, you're an inside guy. Okay, you're an outside guy. You know, like that. So it was just, you know, during those times, it's your receiver. Where we say line up, you line up. When you when you broke the huddle and you go line up and you see that you've got a linebacker on you, are you just licking your chops? Oh, man. Oh, that's, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would look at the quarterback and give him kind of like this eye. True story, we played against uh, New Mexico and played this Brian Urlacher. He played all over the field. Oh, yeah. That may have been one of the smartest, most athletic dudes I've ever seen in my life. I was in the slot. And he came up on me. And I'm sitting, I think he looked in my eyes, but I looked at him like, oh, it's over. <laughs> and at the last minute, he's just, I had a post route. And he bailed to the middle of the field. And I'm running the post, and he's standing back there laughing. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, dude, I mean, it, it was like annoying. Like, he just, <laughs> just a, just a student of the game. Now, so I probably gave it away because I got so fidgety, you know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're a big dude. No, I, I'm going to run past you. And he would just drop it. He would just laugh. I mean, he looks like, gosh, at that time, I'm like, yeah, you, how you know? Well, so, he, he, was he, one, he was one of the most dominating defenders of the National Football League for about a decade. He was man, the best player. It was. A dude it that big is not supposed to be able to run that fast, right, Margin? Oh, and he lined up and played receiver. He returned punts. He returned kickoffs. He did he lined a linebacker safety. He did everything. I'm just like, man. And he had like one offer out of high school in New Mexico. And he made the best out of it. Yeah, he did. Oh, man, he did. Hey, you, you mentioned that you work with Keanu Hill in offseason, help him work on his stuff. Part of this, what, what appears to be one of the deeper receiving cores BYU's had in a while. T talk to us a little about Keanu and his development, but also about this whole receiving core and your thoughts on on where they stand. Man, I man, Keanu spent a lot of time with me. Something you know, he's originally from Texas, Dallas area. Yeah. So he reached out to me um, and was like, "Man, can I work with him?" I mean, he was coming like three, four times a week, just you know, just getting polished. Because in high school, he went to a school that didn't even throw the ball. So when BYU recruited him. They recruited just a raw kid, raw talent. He had no skill set at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, he played receiver. They would ask me, do you know about him? I'm like, no. You know, I don't know anything about him. But, you know, he, he's a hard worker. You know, he maximizes everything he has. He's not a blazer, but he can move for a big guy. You know, and, and you know, and with him, the main thing we worked on was just a mentality and mindset. You know, I tell a lot of these guys, I heard you guys talking earlier about the guys want to transfer quickly and all of that, yeah. you know, and, 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 and really one thing I preach to my guys is it's a mindset and mentality that you got to have when you go into these situations. It may not be going your way and, and patience is key because you know, it's for football, it's a barbaric sport. So you never know what's going to happen. And all it takes is that one glimmer, a uh, 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 chance. And if you're prepared to step into that hole, you take off. You know, and, and you're correct. The grass is not always green on the other side. So, you know, back to those guys there, they have a great receiving core. I mean, when you got Puka, you know, Nakua, who's there. You also have Gunner. I mean, Puka, when he was in high school, he actually came to Texas and did some work with me. Yeah. Just before senior year. And it was just something to show him something different. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Coach, I've never seen any guys this big and this fast. 
He's like, what are that? I said, he said, they're DBs. are like, that's actually linebacker who's actually starting in Oklahoma. I like, this is a dude. So I kind of, I want to expose him, show him something different, you know, so when he, that he can realize, you know, there's a confidence factor that I can play with these dudes. It's not just, no, you're not going to say anything like this in Utah, yeah. but you're going to see when you go play wherever you, you go to be where you can play around the country. And, you know, just looking at those guys and how those young guys stepped up this past game and made some plays. You know, I think BYU's, you know, has a great, you know, future ahead of them. We're visiting with former BYU receiver Margin Hooks on the Wise Guys. A few questions about uh, the Oregon game from our streamers tonight. We want to start to uh, – let's start with just some of your general thoughts. Um, you know, there were games that you guys went to that – there, we all have beatdowns, whether in life yeah, or in, on the football field, but we all get them. Some of those. Yes, sir. I, I mean, I remember when we played Syracuse my senior year, and we got dog walked. I mean, it was like, <laughs> wow. I mean, it was hard. We got dog. I mean, it was like, what in the world is going on? Then I realized later on when I went, you know, I played pro ball. I realized some of those guys who I played with, I like, these are like all pros right now, you know, with Dwight Freeney and those dudes. I didn't know. Yeah. But at that time, you know, they were like, man, they were. They ran through us, you know, some teams, you know, some, and you just can't, you're just reeling and you're trying to get, you know, get your feet in. It's like you're just in, in sting, just sliding, you're trying to fight, you just slide, you just slide. And then all of a sudden you just slip and everything just, it's just like a snowball effect in some games. And it happens. It happens to some of the best teams. That sounds you know, exactly what good. happened up in Eugene on Saturday. Yeah. So, so how, yeah, so how do thing. you, how do you recover from that though and get that, your mind right to play? That's now that comes with the mindset. That comes with the mindset now that, okay, that happened. I always tell kids, I always I always want to look at when things don't go right. This I can tell your character. How do you come back from that? When everything, everybody loves smiling, when everything's going, you know, great. But when it's rough, and it's for the nation to see, how do you come back? So I think this Wyoming game, those first two to three minutes, whether it's offensive or defensive, have to be, I think it's going to be emotional. It has to have an emotional kick with it at the beginning so you think you can just kind of cool not cool through the game you know get everything going get all those jiggers because you got to think in those meetings you know with the coaches and they're you know, putting that red dot on you in the film saying you know pointing out your mistakes your errors you know but now can we correct them you know can you correct them you know and get the game plan over here and now let's you know let, let's correct the ship and let's go from there and you know win the rest of the game so i think that's key and i think that's you know i think uh the QB, I think he's going to be important with that, just kind of getting those guys the confidence going, receivers, you know, overline, whatever it may be defensively, you know, those key guys out there, you know, it's going to be some 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 seniors, or not necessarily seniors, but some of those top guys that have to, hey, bring everybody together. Let's ride this game. Let's play for each other. Let's go. BYU's going to play Utah State uh, next week in what will be the final time in a long time. In fact, we're not even sure when they'll ever play again. Uh, was that a fun rivalry game to be in? And uh, are you or are you happy to see it go? And BYU's moving on to bigger things. I mean, there was like a annoying rivalry because it was like at BYU, you know, you're supposed to win, but those guys are so it was their Super Bowl when yeah. you played them, especially when you go up to Logan. Yeah, it's like man, there's so much that could go and happen. And I've been, I was in some close games up there. I mean. Uh, we never lost to him, but it was a game where you like nail biting. You had to win at the ends. Just you know that 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 fan, that crowd base. You know it was it was rough up there. You know, so it's it's gonna be something that's 
I think, you know, the, those that didn't have opportunity, those guys who come up didn't have opportunity to participate in, it's going to be missed. But it was it was fun. Is, is, it, is it okay that maybe some of those things, like the Utah rivalry is even going to have to take a back seat and they'll only play occasionally. Is that all worth it for BYU to be in the Big 12? I think it is. I think it is. You know, you, you take a couple of coins and now go get all the coins. You know. Yes. You take two teams out. You know, it's like, you know, I tell people all the times it's four minus four equals eight. And they look at me like, what do you mean? If you get a, a sheet of paper and you cut the four coins off, that creates eight corners and eight sides. So I look at it in that matter. Yeah, you don't have Utah. You don't have Utah State. But look at what you're bringing in. Yeah. You know, and then the, just being in a conference like the Big 12, you know, the national notoriety, playing big-time teams. I mean, I think it's going to be great. It seems like that, ba- that Baylor-BYU, lot of respect. Like Dave and I had a chance to sit down with their president um, when she was up here for the game. Baylor's been fantastic, your old hometown, in all sports. And and it feels like that might be a really good natural rivalry for BYU. It's a it's a faith-based Christian institution, high-level sports program. I mean, do, do you see that? Is that something that could blossom as a rivalry for BYU? I think it could, you know. I, I just by them playing twice, you know, just two times even before. No other team in the Big 12 has, has played any other teams outside that are coming in. But BYU and Baylor, so I think this just being acquainted—I mean, just just as institutions—I think it could be a natural rivalry that could happen. You know, and I know back in the day BYU actually did play Baylor. I think like when Jim McMahon was there, or something like that. I always just asked Lavelle to play Baylor, and he would look at me like, "For what? You know, like, <laughs> I want to want to go home and play." You know, so it, it was. I think it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's a cool situation. Well, speaking of rivalries, you caught three passes for 25 yards in Lavelle's final game. We had Brandon Doman on a few weeks ago. A wild comeback to beat Utah 34-27. to How important was it to send Lavelle out with a win? Man, it was, it was very important. Man, that, you know what? That was a different game for me. I got I, I snapped my hamstring that game. That's oh. why I didn't even play the second half. So it was a chance. I, I always played every play. Yeah. And I was out the entire, you know, I played like the first two quarters, you know, played two quarters. And I think I had one touchdown call back, you know, big time penalty. Then I remember my hamstring being slow. I think I heard it the week before in the last home game. I strained it. And then I went, I know the, the last pass I caught was like H&X scat, third and like three. I caught it, turned it to go field, and my hamstring just popped, you know. And I remember going against uh, Andre Dyson. And I, they put me in. I went to go run like a 15-yard dig and it just ended up being like a four-yard stop. And I just, I mean, I was done. But I enjoy it for once being a fan yeah. and cheering my teammates on, you know. And seeing some of those guys like Jonathan Pittman make plays, Brandon Dolman made some big plays, Soren Holiday who came in and spelled me, Mike Regale, you know, watching those guys make plays, you know, Tavidoff and Gaway, uh, uh, man, it was Brian McDonald. Just, just watching those guys battle, Chris Hope, Ans Olsen, you know, Justin Anna, you know, yeah. just watching those guys go out there, man, and do battle. And even though I wasn't there, just being able to see that, you know, it, it just, it, I mean, it was, it was good for me, even though I hate for it to have to be like that. Yeah. But it was, it was neat for me to just kind of experience that. You just, you just named a list of, all-time greats. It's hard to believe all those guys were on, on the same team. That's pretty amazing. And hey, we're going to take you to one Man. more. I don't think you pulled your hammy. Back in uh, September 27th, 1997, it's your first career touchdown 
in the Cotton Bowl Stadium playing SMU. You, you had one one pass catch, but oh, 32 man. yards for a TD. What do you remember about that one? Dog house. Sean didn't point out. He benched me. <laughs> we played. Man, it, I, look, so div, you got to think. When I went to BYU, it was different for me. I'm not your t- I wasn't your typical BYU receiver. When I got there, they, most of the coaches thought I was a DB. No one ever looked at me like, oh, you're a receiver. I remember Coach Schmidt walking into the office room like, oh, okay, all DBs come over here. And I'm sitting up and he's looking at me like, what well, said all DBs? I'm like, I'm a receiver. And he's like, look, double look like a receiver. <laughs> I mean, it was like that. So with Norm, it was one of them love-hate situations, man. man with Norm, it, <laughs> I went up and down. I, see, there's stories I have that people don't even know. That people know, they're like, man, I didn't know you went through all that. But, yeah, he benched me. I had a, a, strain, a, a hamstring at Arizona State, you know, so they worked me out. So I was at play. So he was pissed or something. I mean, I never missed practice or anything. So I didn't play until the fourth quarter. And my family and everybody's in the stand. Yeah. Friends, yeah. everything. I'm on the bench. So he was looking for a receiver and no one's around. So he, he was like, and I, just, I stood up. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to put the play. Get in. So he put me in. And then, you know, called him back out and we kept looking for another receiver. I guess something hurt or whatever the situation was. And he put me back in and the play was like red, right, 63. You know, and I just got the backside dig and I had a post route. There was a cover three. The safety kind of stayed flat to look at the dig route. And it was Kevin Federick. We threw it up, lobbed it up in the end zone, man. I caught him back in the end zone. I remember coming to the sideline, him telling me, don't ever piss me off again. And he was like, dude, Really? I mean, it was some stuff, man, that, that people don't know that I that I dealt with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not not in the bad way that I saw, you know, and it was just like, man, you know, I mean, going back to my senior year was a rough year. You know, I tell you know, I told someone I said, for the record, I need like nine hundred some yards. My senior year I played with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. You you didn't have the luxury of having, you know, mm-hmm. just a Max Hall or just a, a John yeah. Beck or just a Jim McMahon or even just a a Ty Detmer, you you went through a yeah. bunch of quarterbacks in your career. A quarterbacks, my never. I said none of my quarterbacks even went pro. If I tell people, I'm like, so I need to put an asterisk by my name. <laughs> I'm not saying they were bad quarterbacks, but I'm like, I didn't have that, you know. Now look, your biggest your biggest night is against Washington in the 1999 home opener. Eight receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown in a 35 to 28 victory. So you were the big man on campus for that one. Yeah, for that one, you know, it's one of the things where my, my junior year was great. You know, Kevin was a senior, you know, Frederick. So we were running, you know, they switched the offense around kind of like that. We, we got dog walked by Tulane in the bowl game. So they went down and looked at their offense. And it and it kind of helped me just to be that X receiver where I was just on the single side by myself a lot. So if it was one high safety, the ball came my way. You just had to, you know, be in position to go make the plays, you know. And and I tell, you know, guys, I'm like, it was just, it was just different. You know, it, it, how the game has evolved and changed, you know, it's just, it's so different. I said, I mean, you have a good advantage, you have coaches. I never even had a receiver coach the whole time I was with you. Yeah, because Norm, Norm was coaching the receivers, but he was the he offensive was, coordinator, so he was he busy receiver, with that, right? He was receivers, quarterbacks. I never, no one ever pulled me to the side to show me anything. I was basically the receiver coach. <laughs> you, you, After two years, I mean, it's like, okay, everybody came to me. You, I didn't have anyone to show. That's why with the training thing is I'm able to do it because I just, I was like, this is what I'm going to show you things I wish I'd have known, not just for college, but even when I went pro. No one just to break the stuff down. You know, BYU had a system and a scheme. So they depended on the older guys to show you this. Well, I was red my 
freshman. And next thing I was in there playing, you know, the, the following year, you know, with those guys that graduated with KO, uh, uh, Kaipo, Chad Lewis, James Dye, you know, those guys. Oh. So, like, said, okay, Martin, let's go quickly. I never said the mindset mentality behind it all, you know, and I said that's what some of the guys, the younger guys are lacking. You have high skills, but the mindset of it, you know, right now, sometimes you have to go through some stuff, you know, to at least make you, to prepare you for something greater. Hey, you know, it's crazy, Margin. So I played 10 years before you, and and when you said red, right, 63, <laughs> I, I could diagram the whole playoff you know for you. I knew, I knew, like, hey, Margin was playing the X. He was supposed to run the free safety off, the free safety bit on the post cross or the dig, yep. and he got behind the safety. Post I knew exactly. Cross, and so the, yep. the, the, the tight end's going to run a center out, a, a down and in. You got yep. the post cross or or eighteen yard dig on on the flanker, and then you're running that that and clear the, out post. The the H is running a delay angle, and the fullback's running a flat route. That's sixty three, right? Yep, that's sixty three. Just basic as I'll get out. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, drops back. It's under center. He has a five step drop with a hitch. He looks at that safety. That safety's sitting flat. Throw it over his head. Throw it over the head. And that's exactly. And Mar- the safety and sat. Happened. And Margin ran right by him. And, and Kevin hit him with it. And it was money. And it was a touchdown. I remember. It was money. And I never wrote. I never sat on the bench again. That's I awesome. Time he put me on the bench for a game. He told me I wasn't going to start. He kicked me out of practice. I'm going to start. So they called a formation I really wasn't in. They called like a tight formation that I wasn't in anyway. And then he went back to regular performance. I didn't start the game. I just went in on the first play. <laughs> so I, Norm and I used to. Oh man, it was it was one of them things, man. It was just like so. You, oh, it, it's interesting because it sounds like it went, you went through some stuff. Had a great junior year with a stable quarterback. Went through three quarterbacks your senior year. Yet you told us at the top. You know what though? I don't wear anybody else's colors because I'm BYU through and through. So what what was it about your experience there? that made you still love the Cougars and still send talent up this way and, and all of that after all of these years? Man, I look at it, you know what? I'm going to tell you, Lavelle was, man, he's one of the, the was the ideal person for me. Some of the conversation he and I had, you know, just, we wouldn't even talk about football, just life in general. He always called, told me I was like the, the team lawyer. Because, again, the year I went was the most African-American non-Mormon that we had ever recruited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember Ronnie Jenkins, Brian McKenzie, Will Snowden, uh, 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 Ronnie Jenkins, Omar Morgan, uh, Larry Moore, I think there was a year before. Tim McTire came the year before. So it was different, you know. It was a, it was a, it was a little different the type of animal. So when it just getting there, you know, LaBelle, it was like the one time he just kind of opened up the gates, like, okay, let's let these, these guys are different. No, they're not more. Let's give them a chance. And just the things I learned from him and seeing how people, you know, I tell people, look, I was different, but I respected everyone. Everyone respected me. They respected my differences. You know, and I tell them, I've had, I took 16 hours of religion. I told people, I'm an honorary Mormon. <laughs> if you take 16 <laughs> hours, you, you are an, an honorary. Hours, yeah, I took everything. They're like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, man, I take doctrine and covenants, everything, Pearl of Great Right, you name it. I was in there. Yeah. So, Book of Mormon. So, I told you, it was different, but it allowed me to expand. And I said, to kind of be like an amoeba, kind of just adjust to my surroundings and, and, and kind of fit in, you know, like, okay, what do I have to do to, to, not, you know, at first I was thinking of survival. Then it began, got to the point where I was, I was thriving. 
you know, it wasn't survival because it's like, okay, everybody's living in the different, you know, I'm not from the mountains. I'm, I'm someone, I have a whole different perspective on life, you know? And one thing I learned when I was in classes, I was quiet, but when I spoke, everyone listened because it was so different from their thought process. Yeah. And it was respected. You know, a lot of professors would just trip. They would enjoy it because they got, it would mouth would drop like what? You know, I remember, you know, just this situation, you know, in, in religion class or whatever it may be, psychology, you know, professors, sometimes they would want me to speak, you know, you speak and you say something. It's like some of the people, they don't think that way because of the way they were raised, the perspective where they were taught. And I say, well, I come from a different animal, you know, I was raised this way. I was taught this way. Yeah. This is how I see things, you know, as I see life in general. And I haven't changed. I still, you know, as a human, I think we all can get better you know we all can do better with just respecting each other just the human race in general you know it, it, it's there's some things that's out there that need to be fixed i never, i don't never think it would be fixed on whatever side you're on but at byu it allowed me to kind of see those things and, and i was able to meander through life and graduate in four years so even now there's if i took if i can make it through byu i can make it through anything you know, and I, and I, I, I was an 18 year old when I got there. I love, I love, yeah. I love that whole mindset of mutual respect that you felt there. Cause isn't that what it's really all about? And, and the, and the, about. and the fact that Lavelle was open-minded and said, Hey, we need margin hooks here because he brings a different perspective. And Lavelle always, he was so far ahead of his time. Wasn't he margin with, with, we want to bring, we want to bring people from yeah, all I, I, different man walks of life and we want them here and we're going to mold them into a team. We're going to respect each other and learn from each other. And that's what made it special, right? Man, if you look at that 96 team, look at it. Yes. Steve Sarkeesian was not, is not Mormon. Right. Mm -mm. Kaipo McGuire is not Mormon. Brian McKenzie, when he showed up, had gold teeth. Yep. Who's not Mormon. Omar and Tim. You know, Omar and Tim, it was a whole, and we all got along. Yeah. You know, you got, we all got along. Man, you got Shay Muirbrook, you had Brad Martin, man, Chad and Atula and Mark out the wildlife brothers to me, man. They took care of me as a lead. I remember Mark Atawaya and Atula used to hustle me. They would come to Helaman Halls and we they would do free throw competitions. And it was a certain rim, like a trick rim, that they knew how to shoot on it. And I would <laughs> lose every time. And they would pick me up. You got Jane, they would pick me up, take me out to eat. I was like the little brother. And I was kind of a little wildfire. And they would just get me to just to do the crate. I would say whatever. And I mean, I mean, Mark Atawai gave me the best advice. He said, Margin, the more you know, the more you're gonna be on the field. The more you know, the more position you know, they can't bench you. Yeah. That's why I say I played everywhere. I played the X, I played the Z, I played the Y, I played the L, I played the H. You name it, I can line up. And that's the advice that I had from guys like Mark. Then I had guys like Tim, uh, Dennis Simmons, who's at USC now, who's, man, he and I would look like a big brother. Even after college, I've seen quite a few players in Oklahoma, you know, and, and just 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 those things. And let me be me. You know, let me be me. I mean, Lavelle would sit there and laugh sometimes. We'd be in the middle of a game. He was just setting up with the craziest stuff. And people are like, Lavelle, talk. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's <laughs> yes, hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Isn't, I mean, he can say some crazy. Look at him like, what did you say that? Could, <laughs> you know? Couldn't we all, we, we could all take a lesson, couldn't we, Margin? Because think about how many years ago that is. And, and I felt the same thing when I was there. I came from New York, and, and, and you felt that way in the 90s. And it's like, wait a minute. If in that microcosm of this football team, you got kids from every background you could imagine, from 
every different religion, different skin colors, but it didn't matter because they're all brothers, no, right? Everybody brothers. were brothers. And to, and to this day, you feel that way. That's the way I feel. Man, the world needs to take a look. Why does that work in our world so messed up these days? The world needs to take a lesson from sports and figure it out, huh? It is, man. I still, this other night, I was on the phone with Will Snowden and Hans Olsen for like an hour and a half, just laughing at stuff, <laughs> you know. I, you know, just laughing at things, man. I've been in bowl. I told someone else, I remember I was at a bowl game. We were in, in, in not Motor City, we were in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we went out to a club, which was mostly, you know, black club in the inner city. So we go. So I'm in there. And, you know, I'm like the new guy. No one knew who I was. So someone walked tight on the shoulder. Who are you? So I'm like, these dudes around me. Out of nowhere, I think it's like Hans Olsen, a couple of linemen. I think like Eric Bateman, they tapped me on my shoulder, like, everything okay? And those guys look up and see, like, what in the world? These big old dudes. And they look at me like, oh, you're a football player. And it's like everything was clean. I'm sitting there like, and it's like, they're my brothers. Like, you know, Justin Enna. You know, I've been in, you know, just, I said, man, look, I've ate the Kahlua pig. I've done it all. You name it. I just make sure I don't sit on the rug when they're passing the cobble around. I got caught up in that stuff. I learned my lesson. Just respect. So it was so, I mean, I said, man, it was a mess. I learned, so I would never change my decision to go to be, you know, from going to BYU. It does help when I go and people talk to me and I, and I tell them where I went to school and they just stop. And like, you went to BYU? You? They let you in? <laughs> Why? I'm like, yes, you know, it, it was one of the things, you know, teasing hands about doing devotion, you know, doing devotion on Tuesday. We were walking around here, be quoting Tupac, walking through the library and stuff <laughs> with me. And people look at it and I was Matt Jones and I would tell people he was my cousin. Uh, uh, Matt Johnson played uh, uh, off as a guard for Right. Yeah. We were roommates. So people were like, what? I'm like, man, they were. They were huge. Big boys. Yes. But they were my brothers. And we still in contact. Now, Johnson's come here. to text me. We've gone out. You know, he come watch me train. Talk to hands. All those guys. I still, you know, Kiesel every now and then. I, I run and talk to him. Chris Hope. Great dude, man. He's a, you know, just great people in general that I played with. And I have the most admiration and respect for him. Margin Hooks, just a couple more minutes with you, and we uh, sure enjoy your time, uh, and we know everyone's enjoying hearing from you. Before we get to five quick questions, you have 14 touchdowns at BYU. Which one was your favorite? My favorite was Cal Berkeley, my junior. I caught one over the shoulder corner end zone. It was actually my mom's birthday. Uh, and she asked me, what did she like? I said, what you want for your birthday? What you want? I'm going to go get a cake candle or something like that. <laughs> And we're playing Cal. They're like top five defense in the nation at Delta O'Neill, all those dudes. And she's like, I want a touchdown. I'm looking like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I score. And I remember scoring, running up in the tunnel, coming down. And I remember running and jumping over like the little sign on the side of the sideline and pointing up for us here. That was one of, that was, that was a special one right there. That's, That's because awesome. of what she asked for. That's one of my most most memorable ones. And it gets a great, you know, and it gets a great defense to boot awesome. for your mom. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Mom, it's A, B, C, T, D. It's not Little League anymore. <laughs> no, I just go all the time. What's for? You know, I didn't throw the ball. So that was like one of my most memorable. And then the first one I caught, being that it was in, in Dallas, I was home, right. my family was around. Although I wish I would have played more than this four minutes. You know, but it was worth it. Like again, I had to go through that. But the and the pa- but and the past for some reason got you in the good graces of Norm, and then you played pretty much every every down since from that time. Oh forward. yeah, never take down out from that down. I mean, I never missed the down. I love you know? it. It, it, I mean, it. So like I tell guys, yes, you are gonna go through stuff. Sometimes you just have to bite your tongue. You know, sometimes it gets 
it gets ugly. I tell football is a barbaric sport. I said, if you could have heard some of the phone calls with me and Norm or whoever in the press box, oh man, I remember them going off on me, yelling at me, going in. And sometimes I pick up the phone and I go <laughs> off on them. You know, I mean, we'll lose a game, they look at you, blame everything on you. And I just turn around, I'm like, okay, you wait the third and 20, then you want to throw me the ball. And they squatting at 20, and they blitzing. So I decided to so they can hit me. What idiot coach called that? So I mean, I threw it right back at them. I went right at them because, again, when you cross that threshold and get in between those numbers and tell people, what do you mean numbers? Well, to be eligible in football for receiver, you had to go in between the numbers before you're eligible to play. I'm like, when you jog on that field, you can you take the chance of never walking again. You're right. going to be carried off on a stretcher. And I've seen that happen to guys. Yeah. So if I'm going out here to put my line and you want to talk, if you're wrong and I feel you're wrong, I'm not going to be respectful. I'm going to dig into you because you can get me hurt out here. Right. You know, so it's just going to be that. I've busted in an offensive meeting. And and that's that's when that thing kind of changed with Norm. He realized the nice guy is chance. Now the other side of me is coming out. Don't, don't let the glasses smile. Yeah, please. I'm sure he loved the competition. He loved the competition in you, didn't he? Oh, man, he would look at me sometimes and just laugh. But he knew if it came down to it, I was going to make the play. Yeah. Yep. I was going to, you know, if he gave me an opportunity, I'm make the third damn play, I'm going to block. And I told someone, there was times I wish they threw in the ball. I said, I wanted the bigger, but I didn't. You know, my senior year, I felt that Brandon Goldman should have started at the beginning of the year. I think we'd have had a much better season. Right. But I never said anything out of respect for the coach. You know, I never wanted to just cross that threshold. I'm let y'all do our job. And Coach Reynolds, at the end of the season, apologized to me. Mm. He apologized. He actually came up to me and said, man, I think, you know, I apologize. Because my draft status went bottom. I mean, I went from 1,100 yards my junior year to like 700 and some my senior year. Yeah. Playing with three different quarterbacks. You know, we playing Florida State. We playing big-time teams. Yeah, that was a big-time season. Big-time yeah, big schedule. Time, you know, so, and I'm keeped up and it just, you know, it was fumble. And I said, you learn from it. Yep. I said, you learn. I said, I learned, you know, I learned that I can control my emotions. I guess different things that can help you process through life, you know. And there's things I tell people, I'm like, did I want the record? I wanted to crush the record. I did. But I never told anyone that because I didn't want it to be about me. I want you know the team thing, so you know there's a, there's a records and, there's a lot for these young guys you know. to learn from that statement right there. So yeah, and, and, and it helped me keep the friendships I have now. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Martin, we have five quick questions for you that we ask everybody, okay. and uh, it's fun. Just just with first thing that comes to your mind. These are just fun, so people get to know you a little bit. Okay, all right. First one is your favorite sports movie. Remember the Titans. Oh, classic. And I like when people side with me. That's yeah. mine. That's mine too, Margin. So favorite the favorite singer, favorite singer or band. Ooh, favorite singer or band. Man, I was. Man, I'm, I don't want to show my age. Probably you can show your. You age. can show your age. We're all the same age. <laughs> well, you have to think. Of, it depends on who. Now, if you tell me this genre of music. I'm a Tupac fan. Yeah. Through okay. and through. Hey, I'm a Tupac I, I was embarrassed because a couple weeks ago I asked Dave his favorite Tupac song and he didn't know any Tupac song. I'm like, you don't even know California? Oh, like, come man. on. man. California love. I'll tell you, Hans Olsen and I, Hans and I was like a comedy show and we had English. I said, we had English together. He's from Idaho. I'm from Waco, Texas. And our teacher was an Asian lady. And we would get put out of class like in high school. He would just say crazy stuff. And she would like put put us out of class, and it'd be his fault. <laughs> I'm like, hey. 
And he would wrote a story about the first time he saw a black guy at a fair. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, I'm swimming punching in his face. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, it was, I mean, we laughed the other night about that. He was like, oh, I forgot about all this. Like, yeah. The, the you good, put out a class like we're kids. The good news is, is that when I, I said, you don't know Cal, Cal I said, California knows how to party. Cal, and then Dave's like, oh, yeah, I know that song. I'm like, okay, at least he knows it. <laughs> like, he, he just didn't know yeah. the name. So, all right, favorite breakfast cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, you know what? Oh. That's a really popular one. Where a lot of people like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I think that's was that Brandon Domans too. It could have been. Yeah, I think so. Favorite place. Yeah. Favorite place to get a hamburger. Ooh, man. You know what? I'm gonna do this because it be with this all I used to eat. Burger King. They used to have the 99 cents whoppers that around oh, right now. Oh yeah, right from school. That's old school. I got to admit, the I, when they had when they, <laughs> hey. when they had double beef whopper with cheese for on the yeah. special, I would get it too. It was like 99. I would go get it, and I couldn't afford the cheese, so I would go to Smith's and buy cheese, and I could get the good kind. It was the cheap kind that wouldn't melt. <laughs> Somebody just <laughs> somebody needed to give margin an NIL deal. Wait I can a tell second. You that right now. So let me get man, this straight. Please. You went to Burger King and bought a hamburger. Then you went to Smith's to buy the cheese to put on the hamburger. Yeah, because the hamburgers cost 99 cents. If you got cheese, it went up to almost $2. Yeah. So I the could special was just for the plain Whopper. Dollar on some cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I could just keep the cheese for the Whoppers I get. Yeah. But the Smith's cheese wouldn't melt. No, but he wouldn't. Like, you, no, he it was had. a cheap kind. I couldn't have. He I had Smith's cheese in his fridge. He had it in his fridge. Yeah. Take it, it home. It wouldn't melt. It was like it wasn't good. If you melt, it was like it was like pasteurized. It was <laughs> yeah, exactly, horrible. exactly. That's a sad That's story. Awesome. <laughs> By the way, to college life. Burger King. You're the first Burger King vote uh, since we went I'm, on the I'm, air. You know, I'm going to side with because nice I, I completely forgot about the 99 cent Whopper days because <laughs> we would do that. Robbie Bosco and I would do that for sure. Man. Mar- Marissa Cosgrave, who uh, uh, she was on the uh, gymnastic team, she and I would go. I remember my birthday, we would go. And she would give me a crown to put on my head, and I swear it the whole week. <laughs> All right. Okay, last one. Your favorite BYU memory? Oh, man. Probably. Oh, man. I have so many of them. You know, it's football wise, school school wise, it's probably. My last final that I did, I majored broadcast journalism, yeah. and I did a ad lib outside in the snow, and it was my last show that I did. And I remember getting done and realizing I was going to get a degree from BYU, and that was the one thing I prided myself on because I was so different. And and people don't realize that some people they thought I wasn't going to make it through because I was different. And that was that thing right there. I remember doing a snow angel in the middle of the snow on campus realizing there's something that you can't take from me. People know me for football, but I love saying that I'm a graduate from Brigham Young University. No, I didn't attend. I'm a graduate. So that was like a big moment for me, just taking that last final and realizing I have my degree. Football-wise, there was so many of them that I had. You know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's so many of them. And some big games I played in, had an opportunity, you know, sharing the field, but you know, some of the moments, like I said, the touchdown from my mom and then the touchdown at the beginning of my senior. And I guess it's fine that I wore number 14 and I scored 14 touchdowns. Yeah, and your jersey's retired. That's and, and, awesome. And you want to know and my what? And my jersey's retired. I, I absolutely I absolutely respect and love that your favorite memory is not a football memory, that it's getting your degree. That's awesome. Yeah. That's flat out yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's getting my degree, man. And, and it helps me even now with, with the training business that I do, with all the guys I train and work with. People ask me about that. Well, how's it be by you? You know, and, it's, and I explain to them. Just those experiences help me 
with working with those guys is understanding what they're going through mentally and kind of coaching them through it while they're in school. You know, so it, it helps out a lot. And then a lot of things I take from, like I said, Lavelle and his approach to everything. You know, he, like I said, someone is with the status of him. And I will watch him before games go sign autographs and shake people's hands. Well, a lot of coaches don't even do that. Mm-hmm. It'll be a big game. I'll see Lavelle going to shake everyone's hand around the stadium, you know, before the game. And I'm sitting there like, dude, this this man is different. I'm, I mean, most guys are just stuck up there. And they're, they're, they're amped up. You know, they don't want to talk to anyone. They yell anyone. Lavelle had the same tone always, you know, and that's, that's one thing that's kind of seeing that it kind of helped me mold me to how I am now just trying to be even kill always, you know, never get too high, never get too low, yeah. you know, so hey, it keeps the roller coaster life that we all have kind of <laughs> somewhat easy. Yeah. Lots of responses from our streamers I, I, on your, yeah, they love, they love you. They, they loved your, it may be, you know what? That's probably my favorite of the favorite BYU memories that anybody's given us is, is that one that you finish your degree. I love that. One of them said chills on that answer. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm just trying to oh, visualize yeah, you doing a snow angel in the middle of campus. I oh, think, man. I think I that's... had on a leather jacket, all black. <laughs> doing, I mean, in the middle of the campus, it was cold. Snow was in December of my senior year. Because, I, I mean, I graduated. I, I kind of spread my classes out so I could still play that last season. Yeah. Because I contemplated leaving my junior year. I mean, I didn't come back to school till late. I mean, I was, I was literally, that's a whole nother story. I was literally probably just going to leave. And my mom talked to me, you know, talked to me about it. And I, and I was like, I can always get, get my degree. You know, I had a great season. It was kind of rough towards the end. But all in all, I'm glad I stayed. Glad I got my degree. Had to, got the experience, you know, the things I did with Lavelle's last year. Because I can at least say I'm one of Lavelle's last guys, you know. And now yeah. that I'm older and kind of looking back, you know, people are like, well, you're the top. I'm like, well, this is one of the five greatest. I mean, I didn't see it. They think I am. I think I'm just a normal <laughs> dude. You know, when I look at all these guys now, and it's like, you know, it's some things to be proud of. And, I, and <laughs> my man cave now, this is one of these things I show people a lot. You probably can't see it. But this right here is my degree from BYU. There you go. Uh, you've got, you got your you've got your blur background on, but we can tell hey, that that's your degree. Oh, and that, and man, that's, I don't even know how to work that stuff. I'm so technical. I'm not. I'm not yeah, you got you got your blur the background on, but but we can tell that that's your degree, and we saw your jersey that's in the. Yep, and that, and that's. So I have a whole you know, corner. You know what, Margin? You inspired a lot of people when you were here. You're still inspiring them today. It's awesome. We appreciate you're it. You're not man. a normal dude. You know that you're man, not a normal it. dude. <laughs> I appreciate and, and we and we say man, that I've, in man, the I have a great show. we say that in the best terms. When you're not normal, we're talking about you're not normal, and that's great. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for, for thanks so much for taking the time with us tonight, Margin, and, and and all the folks out there around the world listen to us. Thank you too for for the great example you are. Thank you, thank you. And when you talk to Austin Cotter, tell him I said hello. Tell we're going to talk to him in just a little bit here. We'll tell him you said hey. Hey, tell him I started my training business because I saw what his dad was doing. Is that right? Fantastic. We'll let him know. True story. We'll let him True know. Story. So, hey, awesome. we hope to have All you right, on again. It. Thanks, Margin. Thanks so much, Margin. Definitely. Okay. Margin Hooks live from Dallas, Texas, right there in his man cave and right there with his, with his, his, his BYU jersey, his BYU frame jersey and, and his, his degree. degree. From BYU. How cool is that? Yeah, seriously, that may be one of my favorite, favorite BYU memories um, for Margin that the project that finished off his degree and got him his degree. That's cool. That's really cool. More and than doing a snow angel more, and, and on campus. And all of the great moments he had on the football field, that's the thing that came to his mind when we asked him to answer that, answer that quickly. That tells you all you need to know. Pretty cool. That was one of our best interviews. One of our best interviews. And Austin Colley is going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Between now and then, let's Receiver get you updated night. on uh, some of the news around campus. And, of course, it all 
focus is around Saturday night. Wyoming Cowboys are here. 79th meeting. It's a 10-15 Eastern, 8-15 Mountain kick on ESPN2. BYU's won eight straight in the series. First time Wyoming's played here in Provo since 2010. But a lot of history in this rivalry. Oh, yeah. So, and who can forget the first night um, game at War Memorial Stadium? They brought in portable lights for this game back and in it was 19, on ESPN. Right, or, 1988. The, and ESPN brought the lights in. But there was something unique about that game. Yeah, Ty Detmer made his debut <laughs> in that game. And uh, he replaced Sean Covey, who was injured. He threw four interceptions. Yeah. And the Cowboys won 24-14. He threw four all in the second half, and they only lost by 10. So, so Ty was 9 of 26, four interceptions, 133 yards, and a touchdown. And how many people were going, this kid's never going to be any good? Most. Right. Most were like going, because they weren't terribly happy with how Covey was playing. Then he got hurt. And then he comes Detmer, and he's such a, he was such a breath of fresh air that there was like, hey, there's something about him. But the four picks but, were but like. the production on that night wasn't <laughs> great. And, and it worked out for you him. You know, and all he ended up doing was turning into Ty Detmer. Yeah. Right? He turned into Ty Detmer after that. Won and that's all you need trophy. to say. Pretty amazing. So First WAC championship game in Vegas. BYU beat Wyoming 28-25. In overtime in 1996, Cougars went on to win the Cotton Bowl, finished 14-1. and one. And, and I'm t- That place was packed. Wyoming was really good that year. They were throwing it all over the place, and what a great game that 28-25 overtime Vegas game was in 96. That was a great one. So that's Saturday night. BYU Sports Nation game day starts at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain on BYU TV. We'll be live out in the crowd yep. at Cougar Canyon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Dennis Pitt is going to join the show. And, Which I'm uh, so glad because they won't let him on Sports Nation. Yeah, well, he's, got... he's coming on this one. And uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows by the weekend? Maybe they'll announce he's going into the BYU Hall of Fame. We know it's coming. It's yeah, either going to be this year or next cool. year. And then you've got... Um, you in that show, you have a sit down with Clark with Barrington. Clark Barrington. Yeah, which at is six really, five three hundred and three. Awesome. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk about how to get the ground game going. Um, I also asked him who could eat more hamburgers in a single setting, him or his younger brother Campbell, who plays on the right side of the line when he gets in. You'll be fascinated to hear that answer. Yeah, and that's coming up Saturday night. Going to be great football weather. Yeah, it's clear sky seventies mm. on Saturday, which is what we love. Especially when we're doing the pregame. We don't want to be sweating out there no. in the sun. We want it to be in the 70s. And the Cougs are coming out navy tops, navy bottoms with the white helmets and the white trim. Some people don't like the navy. I love the navy. I, think, I love all their colors, but navy just pops yeah. on, well, under the lines. The white helmets look cool, too. Yeah, and those with, are cool. With the navy trim, so I'm liking that. At BYU in Vegas, by the way, opened as a 23.5-point favorite. Is that too high? I don't, you know what? Here's why I think not. I think they're going to come out and play angry. I think they're going to have a chip yeah, on their shoulders to start this right. game. And I, I think they're going to want to make make a statement. So maybe it's not too much. Timing that, might not be the best for the Cowboys. Yeah, They're 3-1. and one. They played three straight home games. They got beat by Illinois in the opener 38-6 to six back in August. Yeah. Then they beat Tulsa 40-37 to 37 in double overtime. Northern Colorado 33-10. to 10. And then last Friday night, they beat Air Force it, which I thought was a pretty good game. And I, th- I think uh, I think Coach Bowl, he can look at this team and say, man, they're imp- they're improving every week. Now you, they haven't played the talent they played in week one. Illinois has got talent all over the field. It's a Big Ten team, and and they really struggled to move the football against Illinois. They they had 212 yards of total offense in that game. And but I, you, if you watch, they've absolutely progressed. That's a big win against Air Force. Uh, Air Force solid team that can yeah. run the football. The, the Cowboys did a great job shutting them down and and got a great win. So I think I think they're getting better every week. Um, I, I think BYU should have a huge advantage up front. 
Um, and yeah. I think they're going to play angry. And I think that makes a big difference. The Southeastern Conference tonight rolled out their 2023 football schedule, which includes BYU at Arkansas, third week of the season. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 is going to roll out theirs, they said, in October. And I was looking at the calendar, and I was seeing that the SEC is announcing theirs. And I'm thinking, that well, that's 11 days away. Yeah. That's 11 days away. So then any time after October 1, the Big 12 will announce BYU's first conference schedule. And I'm thinking, that's going to be a really cool moment. And you asked, you asked uh, the commissioner when he was on with us um, on game day two weeks ago for the Baylor game yeah. um, if BYU fans were going to be happy. And he said... Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's going to be some great teams that are going to come in. Because we asked him for a hint, and we, he so said, we, we didn't give they, us a teaser. Like it, and, and he knew we were asking before they leave the league if we're going to get Texas or Oklahoma in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and he, he seemed to indicate that that might happen. <laughs> he said, I will tell you this. Uh, they will be national events. Yes. And I will be here there for them. And uh, so Pretty he's fun. not coming for Kansas. No. We know that. No. So anyway, so eleven days away, we're gonna. It's gonna be really fun. We might to, get this to be thing. Able to kind of lay that out and see who's gonna come in. How cool is that? Yeah. The day that that happens, even if it's not a Tuesday, we should just come on the air here and just yeah. Talk maybe about maybe it. we'll do it. We'll just do a live stream. So, hey, volleyball um, WCC play begins on Thursday night this week against LMU Seven Mountain on BYU TV. Twenty six, uh, our twenty second ranked Pepperdine will be at number seventeen BYU on Saturday at one p.m. Also on BYU TV. So a couple of games on BYU TV this week for BYU women's volleyball. Soccer starts its title offense in the WCC on Saturday, October first at St. Mary's. The next home game is Wednesday, October fifth against San Francisco. Now BYU is coming off an emotional two to one win over Utah in front of a full house Saturday night at Southfield. Jerem Jordan was on the call and he told me it was already crowded and then the volleyball game got done. They were hour ahead. Mm -hmm. So then all the volleyball fans came out to Southfield. Now it's totally packed. It's scoreless. Olivia Wade kicks a goal in the 78th minute to give BYU a 1-0 lead. Utah answers in the 87th minute to tie the game. Now there's only 90 minutes. And then Wade scored again in the final minute to win it two to yeah, one. What what a dramatic win! That's and, awesome. And, and this is a talented team that's finding itself. And they they were ranked. They kind of dropped out. I will not be surprised to see them play themselves back into the national rankings and go on a run. Just a lot of firepower to replace from last year. Oh, People yeah. need to understand their roles. But there's a ton of talent on this soccer team, and they can compete with anybody. How about women's golf? Um, BYU is ranked number forty-one. Just finished 12th at the Mercedes-Benz Collegiate Championships, which ended today. Uh, Cougars were the defending champs in that one. Women's basketball, Amber Whiting, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, they rolled out their first uh, schedule, her first as the head coach. And um, here are a couple of notables. October 27th, Westminster, that's an exhibition game. That's the first time we'll -hmm. we'll see what she's got. And then they open uh, the regular season November 8th at Colorado State. That's the game that replaced the South Carolina game after their coach – did her thing and decided that it wasn't safe to play BYU, which is total, total She'll bunk. go to Memphis and play, though. Yeah. Don't worry about that. November 12th, Montana State. That's the home opener. BYU's won 30 straight at the Marriott Center. And I was on Sports Nation the other day, and Amber was there. And I said, hey, well, the good news is it's only 30. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. 30-game home well, court and, winning and streak. Then, and then how about on November 15th, uh, BYU plays Oklahoma. That'll be a little bit of a Big 12 preview. There'll be a big huh? crowd there. The and Utah Center. on December 10th, uh, 10th. And then December 17th, 
perennial WCC power uh, at Gonzaga in the WCC opener. So quite a schedule. Love that they've got Oklahoma and Utah on that schedule. Our guest next week, Andrew Rich, will join us, talk BYU defense. And Riley Nelson, quarterback for Utah State, finished as quarterback for BYU, works on the BYU radio broadcast. He's going to join us. It's Utah State week, so we got to have Riley here. Oh, yeah. And so we're looking forward to that. October 4th, artist Rob Jensen and basketball and entrepreneur Travis Hansen. We'll also check in with the alumni head down in Las Vegas as BYU prepares to go down there and play Notre Dame. And Curtis Brown and Devin Durant will join us on October 11th. Just a sneak peek yeah. into uh, what we got you, uh, ahead. You, you mentioned artist Rob Jensen, right? Yeah. And, and people, yeah, you know, we've had we've had one of the great saxophone players in the world on here. We've had Marie Osmond. So once in a while, we we get people with BYU ties that take us into other realms, which is really really cool. And uh, and he is he's developed uh, this draw with your kids. Uh, program where he he draws with with the kids. It's it's like a global phenomenon. He's, oh, yeah. he's going to come on and talk some art with us and kids and his ties to BYU and all that. That's really cool. We're, People we're excited are totally to have him that. on. Yep. Our next guest caught 106 passes for 1,538 yards and 15 touchdowns, and that was just in 2008. Yes, it was. It was also the best season by a receiver in program history. During his three years on the field in Provo, he re- redefined the position, went on to play in the Super Bowl. It is our pleasure to welcome Austin Colley to the Wise Guys. Austin, you were just endorsed by Margin Hooks as an all-around great guy, so welcome to the show. Well, Mar- Margin, back to Margin. Margin's a, a phenomenal guy, and I will say, Andrew Rich is going to have a hard act to follow after this 20 minutes. <laughs> well, Mar- Margin said, first of all, tell Austin I said, hey, he said, love, I love Austin. And he goes, and tell Austin that this whole thing that I'm doing with training receivers and all that, he said, I came up with that idea because of Austin's dad. And and so, Scott, <laughs> your, your dad, my old teammate, Scott, who I love, um, um, Austin's family and my family go back a long, long ways to – Scott, Scott and I played together and he was one of my favorite teammates. And then, um, and then he, he was married to Nikki and we named our daughter Nicole after Nicole Colley, thinking that her nickname would be Nikki, but you can't give a nickname. And everybody started to call her Coley. And we're like, no, she's supposed <laughs> to be Nikki, like Nikki Colley. But, Nicknames just happen. But, and then, and then our kids are all intertwined. Like Austin's good friends with Kellen and, and, and it's just, it, our families go back a long way. Yeah, I love great. the Collie family. They're they're one of the best families on earth, and uh, and we're really excited to have. I'm so glad Austin would come on with us because our, our I have so much respect for his family. So that's uh, that's the Cougar lineage right there at its finest. The Cougar heritage right there, man. Yep, sure is. It Austin, sure is. let's go to the Super Bowl in 2010. You had six catches for 66 yards, including a 40 yarder from Peyton Manning in a 31-17 defeat to New Orleans. What was it like to make that first catch in the Super Bowl, which is something that you had dreamed about from Pop Warner, and then you were there and you were making plays? What's that feeling like? Um, it's uh, it's something. I'll tell you, it, it's it's definitely one of those things. I mean, that that whole year, I was having a hard time really uh, taking a step back and comprehending what was going on, yeah. right? What situation I was in. I mean, I was catching passes from Peyton. I was you know, rubbing shoulders with guys like Reggie Wayne and, and Jeff Saturday, right? Um, Dallas Clark, right? So the the fact that I was there, and not only was I there, I was in the huddle, and I was catching passes throughout the season. I was already having a tough time kind of 
taking that all in, let alone going to the Super Bowl, right? Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Dennis Pitt uh, always loves to give me, uh, you know, he, lo- he loves to rouse me about the, the fact that uh, he's a winner and I'm a loser, right? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, but, you know what? But Dennis I'll, was on it with us a couple weeks ago, and I think he actually he said, may have said that. He did say something about <laughs> when you get Austin on, remind him that I did win the Super Bowl. That's what. <laughs> He loves reminding me of that. And if you want to know what's so funny is we have a tradition every for every Super Bowl, the pit has come and stay with us to hang out for like a week. And we end up watching the Super Bowl together. Right. Uh, as uh, you know, as a family or as a couple of families. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, it has not gotten any easier. If anything, it's gotten harder to watch the Super Bowl for me. Right. Because at that time, I didn't fully comprehend what it meant. I mean, obviously, it's a Super Bowl. Right. But. But, um, you know, when you lose, you, you lose and you go into the locker room and that's it. And, and uh, I got to see the other side of things when you actually do win and what happens because I was there for Dennis's and we got to hang out with him after and go to the after parties and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, every time I see the, uh, the post-game production and, and all that jazz and, and then see some of these guys that have won it, you know, a few years later, man, it is just always just a dagger to my heart, right? And, it, and that pain – uh, only gets worse with each Super Bowl, right? Wow. See, that's that's the that's competition in our right guy there. right here. That's the competition. This is like, you know, people ask about games, and the ones that you lose, you remember all the plays that you didn't make. Um, of course, we do remember the plays we did make in wins. Right. In and wins sometimes well, those right? plays, right. You sometimes those plays get a little too, bigger. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, it, it kills me. And you know, a funny story about that is uh, after the season finished up, we still got like an AFC championship ring and, and they made it a little bit extra special because that year uh, the NFL named, you know, the, the Colts, the most winningest organization in, in that decade. Uh, so they made it, uh, and which I had nothing to do with. Right. But they, they made uh, the ring a little bit extra uh, over the top and uh, <laughs> it, you know, it, they present it nice in your locker with this box, this custom box with your name on it. And I remember opening it and looking at it being like, Oh my hell. Like this thing is, this thing's nice. Like this isn't a bull ring, right? Like this is a, <laughs> it's, a, it's probably the equivalent of, of any Super Bowl ring that had come before that. And a hand, I felt the hand come onto my shoulder and a voice say, if I ever see you wearing that, it'll be the last thing that you do. Right. And it was sure enough, it was Peyton. Right. <laughs> and of course he was saying that because, you know, losers don't wear these rings. Right. Yeah. It's not a Super Bowl ring. You want to wear the Super Bowl ring. I don't want you seeing the second place ring. Right? <laughs> wow. That's it, good it, advice. So, hey, you you played. So, you played with Max Hall, um, who's mm-hmm. a great competitor, all time winningest quarterback in BYU history. And since you were the receiver, you're probably the all time winningest receiver in BYU history. Nobody ever talks about that. Played with Peyton Manning. He also played with Tom Brady, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Who, whose personality was the toughest to deal with? <laughs> um,. Off the field or on the field? Either. Either. Yeah, yeah. You choose. I, I don't know, man. Like, I I, I I, have always made an effort to make the quarterback my best friend. I found out early that that was probably a smart business decision, right? <laughs> make sure you befriend the quarterback. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, thankfully, all the guys that I've played with have, have you know, we, we have found that kind of common ground as far as, you know, uh, what, it, you know, what we want to do. And that was to win ball games. And every single one of the quarterbacks I had had unbelievable amount of work ethic, right. Which I admired and which I try to kind of match. Um, 
and uh, you know, every all three of those are, are all three of those guys are are very different, and unique in their own way, but they are all some of the, the greatest competitors that I've played with, right? Um, that were not afraid to, to put in the time and put in the reps, right, to continue to get better, and that's ultimately what they all wanted to do is kind of see how, you know, what their ceiling was, and weren't afraid to put the work in to do it, right? So who of the three was the most competitive? We know Max, and he's got to be up there. But of those three, and two of those are elite NFL guys, and one's an elite BYU guy. Who's the most competitive? Yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, anybody that's more competitive than Peyton is. Really? Yeah. Like he's uh, the uh, – he had every excuse. And, and, and Tom's up there as well, right? I'm a bit biased, right, because Peyton's my guy. But yeah. – um, yeah, uh, I thought I worked hard. I thought I prepared hard, right? When I was at BYU, and 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 it was, you know, it paled in, in you know in comparison to what Peyton and the time that he would put in and the time that Tom would put in, right? Like it is night and day, nonstop. And really, that's why, you know, I, I felt like I hit a different level when I got to the league, and it was it was really all thanks to him, um, just because of that the standard that he held for his teammates and the standard that he held for me, right? Like I remember the first day coming in. Uh, we had the first day of install and I was already with the ones, right? Uh, that was the reason why they drafted me was, you know, yeah. to, to fill the role of Brandon Stokely and to be the slot guy. So I was already with the ones and, and uh, I think we had installed like 15 plays that day, 15 new plays, right? With like three different formations. And you head out to the field as a rookie thinking to yourself like, oh, if I screw up, everyone's going to understand because I just learned these and had to learn them within like an hour and a half, right? Of classroom work. <laughs> No one's going to get mad at me. And and uh, I remember running the wrong route and, and Peyton got after me. And I'm like, well, first off, it's nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> Second so off. All right, man. Like, I, I'll, I'll get to it. Right. Like, and uh, from that point on, I knew what was expected, what was going to be expected of me. I mean, most of these guys in the huddle was the same group. It was the same group that won the Super Bowl in 2006. Right. I think I, me and Pierre Garçon were the only missing or the only pieces of the puzzle that were different wow. from an offensive standpoint and so it was yeah i mean it, it was kind of a high pressured situation and you know thankfully i had the support system around me to to constantly be studying right like i remember grabbing brooke my wife and and you know she got to know the playbook as as well as uh or as much as i did just because she'd be constantly quizzing me in the family room right um going over every single play just just because i didn't want to be that guy right guy since I was the only different part of that that yeah, offense, sure. Any any decline in performance, obviously they'd be looking at me saying, "Yo, you need to get your your act together, right? Because this isn't how we roll." Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah. And, no and we wonder how teams we wonder how teams win championships. That's how they right. win championships. Yeah, that kind that yeah, kind just, of expectation, right? You got to expect yeah. to win, and oh, expect absolutely. everybody to put the work in to win, right? Absolutely. Like I remember times on film, man. I, I would. You know, he would have put a ball maybe a little bit away from me, and, and it may have got my fingertip as I, you know, I as as I stretch for it. Right. Typically, you know, in a college in a college environment, it's like, oh, that would have been a nice catch had you pulled that in. No, you get to his level, it's like you should have had that. If it's in your radius, man, you know, if one hand or not, that's got to be pulled in, right? And that type of mentality, I kind of had to like switch my mindset real quick on what the standard was going to be. And naturally, that just gets you to a place that you know you've never been before. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, were, were any with those three guys? Now, now take them off the field. Who was the most fun mm -hmm. to just hang with? Who was the nicest of those three off the field? 
Uh, well, you know, Max was my guy, right? Like I, me, Matt, me, Max, and 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 Dennis, and and uh, Harv, and you know, just uh, that that was a unique, very special and and unique time. Uh, as as I'm sure you know, you can say Blaine, right? I mean, the friendships that you developed there on the team and in high school, man, th- those are uh, irreplaceable, right? And, mm-hmm. and the time was so much fun, right? You had uh, no worry in the world. You're living, st- you know, stipend check to stipend check, and some of the stuff that, you know, we would go do would be always together and, and uh, had so much fun uh, uh, during those times. I was, I, that's why it was really difficult for me to leave early and, like, leave that behind. Austin Collie's on the Wise Guys tonight. 3,255 receiving yards in three seasons. Yeah, you, you gave us one season of 1538, which is just borderline ridiculous in college. But uh, Austin, you appreciate, you know, talking about Max and what, what a good friend. We had Max on with us um, just a, a few weeks ago as well. And I asked him to verify the story that when he was a sophomore, he was. you guys were in a game where it just kind of went back and forth. Offense scored, defense gave a score up. Then offense scored, defense gave a score up. Offense scored, defense. And he walked by Bronco and said, hey, do you think the off uh, defense might get a stop sometime tonight? And Bron- Bronco <laughs> told that story, and Bronco said he thought, "I," he said, "I started to step toward him like, well, you little," and then he thought, "Yeah, no, I actually think I like that out of my quarterback." And he backed <laughs> off and didn't say anything to him, and he had no idea that what Max was going to turn into. But but that was kind of the fire Max had on the field. Like he just felt like, "Man, we're doing our part. How about the defense stepping it up?" I asked Max, "Did that happen?" He goes. I'm not going to confirm or deny, but that might have happened is what he said. Can you see Max doing that on the field? Oh, that type of stuff happened all the time. I, I, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie as from an offensive standpoint, man, we our, our confidence level was, was through the roof, right? Like we felt we could play with anybody at any time. And, you know, we were putting up the numbers that, that kind of back that up. Right. Um, and, and we really had a very, very unique group where all we wanted to do was win. We were hungry to win. We put in the work to win. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure Kellen could could tell you stories back then that were like, you know, those offensive guys, man, we would love nothing more than to just cold cock all of them. Right. <laughs> just, but but we, we definitely had a different, you know, different level of swagger and moxie to us back then. So I, I don't doubt that Max said that. Yeah, there's that's, a small, that's, that sounds, sounds yeah. so much like Max. There's a small number, really, of 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 elite receivers, a small group of you guys and, and margins right there and and uh, and you. And 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 let's talk about Puka Nakua. We're we're expecting to see him on the field Saturday night against Wyoming. Um, he wants to go to the show where you've been. Um, does Puka have what it takes to, to get to the NFL? I think so. I think so. I, I, I think, um, he, he has, he definitely has that, that explosive play capability, right. That, that, you know, BYU typically doesn't or hasn't had, um, for, for quite a while. Uh, more, you know, I, I think, I think back to the past, I don't know, five years, it's kind of been kind of role playing type of efforts other than Dax, right? But then Dax was only kind of a, a one-year type of deal, had right. an explosive year with Zach, right? But, um, I, you know, I, I like him a lot. I think, uh, like I said, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a big body, right? I, I think he's got the perfect metrics to, to go on to the next level. Um, as far as route running, like, I haven't been able to, you know, in order for me to kind of really evaluate a receiver, I got to see the tape, right? Yeah. And I can't see the television type stuff, right? right. I got to see the, the real tape, the aerial view, and, and uh, I got to see the angles that they're taking and, 
how well they're coming in and out of their breaks and what the separation looks like, which, you know, the TV, the TV footage really doesn't capture. So, but from what I've seen just uh, on TV, man, he's uh, yeah, I, I think he's a special talent, right? There's a reason why he went pac 10 uh, right out of high school and had a tremendous amount of offers. And, and uh, I, I was surprised at how big he was. Really? Yeah. Right? The, the, the measurables, yeah. right? Austin, like he's, so he's six, two, he's like between two Oh five and two ten. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's got all the speed in the world. He's got a 40-plus-inch vertical jump. So all of those things jump off the page. Those all add up to NFL. But it's yeah. way more than just that, right, to be able to make it at that level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, I would lie. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say some of it came down to luck, right? Um, and and the further down the draft board you go and the further rounds you go into, more of that luck needs to, to transpire, right? Uh, you're going to need more of that. From situational standpoint, um, you know, what offense you're in, what quarterback you're in, what you're able to do outside of the position, right, I, I think plays a huge part in it, especially if you go down to those lower those lower rounds. So, um, you know, honestly, wh- whatever you can do when you get to that level, you, you, you got to showcase, right? I think I remember the first, um, first four OTA practices we had, like I had never done punt. Um, I was never on the, the, the punt return team other than being a punt returner. And they actually had me like out, you know, uh, out on the out, gunner. Uh, no, not out on the gunner, but like, uh, you know, on the, on the D line, but, but a wing, right. Oh, like yeah. rushing the, rushing the punt. Right. And I remember in practice, it was a live practice. And I think I got like three in, in a practice and I'd never done it before. And that's probably what helped me so much is that I'm new position, never been taught. And I'm just kind of, you know, freelancing out there just uh, willy nilly um and was able to block three of them and so sure enough they put me on the pump block team and that lasted for maybe two games because i came back to our offense coordinator and said you've got to pull me off of this because (laughs) every time we get the ball we're going this lightning type of pace yeah right we call it lightning package where it's hurry up it's like a two minute type of package that peyton every once in a while would get into so i would rush the punt and then have to go back down and cover and block and then turn around we go into that lightning two minute right and uh it absolutely killed me like it it totally affected my performance but without a doubt it helped show the uh other coaches like okay this kid is capable of more than just catching balls right like this kid's a football player we can put him in different spots if we need to if it came down to it maybe it didn't work out at the receiving uh end of it you know but as far as special teams and some other ways he can get involved in into the uh into the uh, offense or, or special teams, you know, at least gives us that option, at least gives them that option, right? You just prove prove your worth as a football player, right? So what I'm hearing is that you were the precursor before Taysom Hill was Taysom Hill. There was Austin Colley who was Austin Colley. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's not, what it sounds like. <laughs> no, not, not, even a, not even a fraction. I, I don't think I've ever seen a better football player uh, as a whole than Taysom. Taysom is one of the – probably one of the – most premier football players I've ever seen. He's he's a freak uh, among freaks, isn't he? Like that's people yeah, don't understand because I mean, the NFL is a collection of freaks, but he's a freak with the freaks, which is hard to be, right? Yeah, you you can't. I mean, to play those different positions, man, it, that's crazy, right? To play that many that the, you know a variety of different positions all in one season and to produce at those positions, right? Like you're an all around unbelievable you know, football yeah. player, right? People that big and strong aren't supposed to be that fast. They just don't make no. it like that. It's, that combination doesn't happen. Yeah. No. So, hey, no. let's talk about a couple of moments that you had at BYU. 
Um, you had so many, but uh, the infamous fourth and 18 play that Max had talked about um, against the Utes in 2007. Harvey scores a few plays later, and you guys win the game. But um, you're sitting there waiting for that ball to come to you, and you find yourself behind the Utah defense. Can you still picture the wait for Max to have delivered the ball? He said he threw. Uh, he had a hurt shoulder. He gave yeah, it all he, he, he had. He was like, hey, I, he's lucky I got it out there. I <laughs> and was you had to wait up. for it. Yeah, no, so I remember I remember him signaling like a double move. It was like I think a stutter and go. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that is the dumbest call in the history of sports, right? Like these guys shouldn't be biting on anything. They're gonna sit at the sticks, right? Keep everything in front of them. So just by giving a double move, if this guy bites, that's gonna be the worst error, right? That that kid's probably made his entire career. And sure enough, he did bite, right? which is crazy, right? Double move on fourth and 18. And do you see him you know? bite? Do you see him make that bite? And all of a sudden you're going, what? Oh, yeah. Are, are you yeah. thinking what in the world? Like what, in the, what is he doing? And I kind of, I think I kind of, I kind of gave that double move kind of a half-ass effort too. Cause I'm like, <laughs> no way this is going down. Right. No way this is happening. And sure enough, out of the corner of my eye, I see him driving on the ball. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I go, you know, I, I get around him. And then, yeah, man, that ball was hanging up there for, for quite a while, quite a while. So, but it was, uh, you know, at, at the time you're just like, all right, another routine play, let's go, right? But you, you look back at that, and you're just like, man, that was a, that was a big moment. That was, you know, a, a colossal error on on uh, whoever the corner was at that point, and uh, we were just lucky to kind of get away with it. You, you know, Austin Har- Harvey told us, like, you know how when Harvey scored, he kind of ran over the dude, and then he, yeah. then he looked back oh, yeah. at him. Harvey's like, what? He goes, I'm going to give you the rest of the story. He goes, I don't know why I was so mad. But I turned around to throw the ball at him. <laughs> and he says, he says, but Sete come and ran he came and ran at me so fast I ended up throwing the ball into Sete and it bounced off. He goes, Nobody knows that Sete kept us from getting a fifteen yard penalty. Yeah. He's like he's yeah, like, that see was- the, the little story behind the story he goes, I don't know why I was so angry and so on edge, but I was gonna throw the ball at the guy that I just ran over. Yeah, I would have killed Harvey if that happened. <laughs> Now, last spring at the alumni game, Brian Keel makes this Hail Mary catch. It's on BYU TV, and he goes right to our reporter on the field. And you know his quote. He says, when you're living right on and off the field, magic happens. And uh, (laughs) now there's no way he knew he was going to catch that ball. But but he already knew what he was going to say if he was celebrating on such a thing. Brian Keel has been imagining that moment, right? (laughs) Even though he's a defender, he's been imagining that moment for quite some time. I can assure you that. <laughs> he, he said it's the great. It was his greatest play in BYU history. I, I was like, what? Well, <laughs> yeah, that that moment. That moment. There's been some nights where it's probably kept him up. Uh, just just imagining, you know, the the, the cold sweats, right? Uh, just getting his heart rate up, going over that play several times, and the fact that. It's, uh, finally came true and that he was able to kind of have a little bit of uh, <laughs> uh, a little piece of that offensive joy uh did my heart good we uh, asked max uh, who was on here with us a little while ago we asked max uh, said hey, we had max list his five greatest plays at, at byu and we asked him if uh, if this one was one of them and he goes no but i can tell you this it was brian keel's greatest moment <laughs> yeah he said didn't have anything to do with any of mine but it was definitely brian's so so did you, didn't you join that? Did you you join that crew that whole crew down in SoCal on that golf trip a couple weeks ago? Didn't you? Yep. yep did you go down? Yep, Keel yep, went. Newport. Keel went with you, and Callum went you with you. And who who won that whole thing down there? Oh, uh, I, I 
I think Keel has a tally. Keel's always the one keeping the tally, and he'll have that tally for for time and all eternity. But uh, <laughs> he uh, he played he played pretty dang well. But yeah, yeah it was me. It was it was Dennis. It was uh, uh, Bryce Moika, Kellen, and uh, BK, and and uh, Brian played exceptionally well. He played well. That's very good. very well. That's good. To you want who you want who else played really well? I was, I was shocked. I've never golfed with with Kellen before, but. But he can swing him. Kellen can swing him. He's been. He's not. He's so stinking busy with work. That he never plays. I'm like, dude, you have a good swing. You could like, if you played once in a while, you might be really good. So, yeah, absolutely. So I, I got to tell you. So it's it's been fun for me. Your, your dad and I when when we were together, and now I know where you got the. He was always really good friends with Jimmy Mackin because I realized that you learned to get to know the quarterback well from from Scott, which is great. Your your dad was unbelievable technician and had the softest hands of of anybody I've ever thrown it to. I love throwing it to Scott, but but it was a thrill for us. Like so so you and Zach and Dylan. The coolest thing for a dad is when we've run out of that tunnel and we've experienced that and been out on that field to have you guys and for him to have all three of you for for and I was always rooting for you and Zach and Dylan to hey I was just pumped for you guys the first time to run out of that tunnel yeah Th- then I had Kellen and Landon and Gavin all get to do it. I don't know if any two dads that played together had had three of their sons get to have that same experience but that was really cool for your dad and I to have, have three boys all get to, to wear the blue and white. And what was that like for you to have three brothers and for your dad as, as a family to have that? I know what it was like for the Fowler family, but it had to be really cool for the Collie family. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's way cool. Right. As, as a dad, you know, as, as me as a dad now, right. Like the, the fact that, uh, uh, I, I would, I would love to see my boys play D1 football. Right. I, I would, uh, I mean, that would, that would definitely be a dream come true. Right. Uh, or, or any D one college yeah. sport. Right. Um, cause, cause you know, you know, the memories and you know, the experiences that come along with it, right. That are irreplaceable. Right. It's not necessarily about playing the sport at that level, but it's, it's about what comes with it. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm biased. I mean, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you, you know, every day I wish I was still playing football, right? Everyone asks, do you miss it? I say, hell yeah, I do. And, and anybody who tells you, tells you they don't is lying to you, right? Yeah. Because it is, uh, yeah, just some of the best times uh, that, that you can have, right? And, and I only want that for my kids. And for the fact that my dad got to see us all kind of partake in that same thing and that, you know, it gave us a platform to really relate to one another and, and uh, tie some of those fatherly teachings back to football and back to those experiences. Like that's, you know, that's stuff that, uh, uh, like I said, not many people get to do and, and are irreplaceable. It's pretty special. Hey, and the fact that you're just off with, with your boys, like with the guys. Um, yeah. The, the, the fact that you're just down golfing with your buddies, um, that whole group that you just mentioned, all teammates getting together. It's a brotherhood that, that just goes on forever. You never lose that. And it, is it the same in the NFL or is it just not quite the same as it is in college? So it's funny you say that because I, uh, <laughs> me and, 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 you know, some of the, uh, the Colts, uh, uh, some of the old Colts teammates, uh, myself and, and Jeff Saturday and Peyton and uh, Jacob Tammy and Anthony Gonzalez and Brandon Stokely, right? We were, we're all on a, uh, we all started for the first time. I think it was our, it's our first time ever playing fantasy football. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all, we all kind of have a league going. And, uh, again, when I first got to, when I first got to Indianapolis, um, the, 
camaraderie within the locker room was off the charts, similar to BYU, mm. right? And the, I, I want to say the values that existed within each one of those guys within that locker room was very similar to BYU, right? As close as you could get in the NFL, right? Like yeah. all God-fearing guys, family men, right? I mean, a lot of the guys already had, you know, four kids, some of them in high school, right? But they, but they understood the value of family and they didn't, uh, they knew what the real priorities were, right? And, and, and where football kind of fell in that, right? And going from BYU to that, I, I couldn't have asked for like a better transition um, because I couldn't say the same thing about going to the 49ers when I was there, right? Like when I went to the 49ers and was in camp with the 49ers for that short little bit, yeah. complete opposite. It would be exactly as, you know, what the public would assume the locker room is like, right? Which is very uh, individualistic, right? Like all about me type of uh, environment, right? Yeah. Some of the players there were awesome that I totally got along with, but you could just tell it. It didn't have that same brotherhood uh, as we had uh, in the Colts, right? And, you know, the fact that we all still keep in touch on a regular basis and are on texting threads and whatnot says everything. And right? that's, and like, that's, yeah. and, and that's why. That's a very special situation you had with the Colts, and it's no surprise that that was the team of the decade. A lot because of that, I'm certain, don't you think? A thousand percent. Absolutely. That has everything to do with it, right? So cool. Five questions for the great Austin Austin Collins. Yes, these are the five quick – it'd be interesting how he matches up with Dennis and with Max and those guys. All right, you ready? Five quick questions. These are rapid fire. First thing that comes to your head. Favorite sports movie. Yeah, favorite movie. Oof. uh, Remember the Titans. That's, you know what? That's what Margin Hooks just said. So you go. That's Must my, be a football that's, that's thing. That's mine too. Favorite singer or band? Ooh, uh, Drake. Nice. That's our first right. Drake. I like Drake. First yeah, Drake that's our first Drake, but I like Drake. Favorite who, record? Who did, who did Max say? Max said, you guys remember? I think he said some country. I have to go back and look because we took we took notes on it. I thought it was and somebody we hadn't heard of before. Yeah, it's like a country just, thing. He's just gotten I, into I got country. a new one called Jelly Roll. Might that have been I, never, Dennis. I never heard of Jelly Roll before. My nephew was with him. He's like this big <laughs> fat guy. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. Then I listened to his song, Son of a Sinner. I'm like, I kind of like this dude. It's I like think country, Dennis, country I think, hip-hop rap. I think Dennis said he was getting into country and yeah. he dropped yeah, the name. Yeah, Dennis. No, he is. Hey, je- he, hey he for all the fans out there. All the fans out there, Jelly Roll's my new, you know, my new. Just give them a listen, see what your, you guys think. So, okay, favorite, I, I, would, I would attach that Post Malone as well. Yeah, oh yeah, I like Post Malone too. So, favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, uh Cocoa uh, Cocoa Pebbles. Oh, can we? When anybody goes a non-sugar cereal, we give them crap. So, Cocoa Pebbles yeah, is a good cocoa. choice. We had a what, Cocoa what, Pebbles what last Dennis, week. Dennis, Dennis probably gave you some like hundred percent fiber. You know, <laughs> he. I think he said O's. He might have said O's, and then he said he doesn't eat cereal because he eats boxes at a time. If he, he starts, says, if I start, I can't stop. So I pretty much I do oatmeal. So we're like, oh brother, right? So oh, yeah, no. Listen, the Dennis is the most uh, uh, judgmental foodie. Okay, <laughs> like you can't have one health, one unhealthy thing uh, around that guy without just getting the the worst stare down. That's awesome, right? and then. And then you're getting interrogated why you're putting stuff like that in your body, which I find ironic because I remember going to the training table on a regular basis with that guy and him finishing off everybody's Everything meal else, of course. <laughs> he's, he's, well, for the record, I had Frosted Flakes before I came here today. Okay, your favorite quarterback of all time. Doesn't even have to be somebody you played with, just favorite quarterback. Uh, Peyton. Peyton Manning. All right. Good answer. That might get you on Peyton's place. Quest yeah, there answers you, like there that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then, Austin, your favorite 
BYU memory. Let's finish with that. Ooh, favorite BYU memory? Probably yeah. beating UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Or not not in the Rose Bowl, but uh, in the Vegas Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the uh, Manu Maliuna's block. block. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, Kel- was a, that was a great game. Great game. First bowl game after uh, that, that I'd ever been to. And, and uh, you know, you know had, had the opportunity to kind of pull in a lot of catches and, and pre, be pretty active that game. And that was uh, that was fun. That was a fun one. And, and, and Ethan Monomalu, Mono, Monomalu. I can't even say it right now. Ethan Monomalu. There we Ethan. go. Comes yeah. up with a block. That's a, one of the most memorable games in BYU history. That's a great one. Love it. Austin, thank yep. you for joining the show. We hope to have you back again. You're and, the best, Austin. And, uh, appreciate your stories. And, and get, and your... Give, give Brooke and the whole gang um, some love from me and your whole family. We love we love the Collies. I, I will. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Austin. Austin Collie, he stands alone at BYU with what he did in yeah, that single anybody season. Anybody asked for like the greatest receiver in BYU history, it's right there. It's not a question. It's Our next question. guest tonight has coached 46 All-Americans and three national champions in track. He's won 17 conference championships in cross country. As a runner himself, he's a national champion, a school record holder, a two-time Olympian. Our pleasure to welcome the BYU Hall of Fame coach and runner Ed Eyestone to the Wise Guys. Coach, welcome. Hey, wait a sec. Where's that mustache? Dave says the Wise Guys, huh? Well, the, uh, the mustache <laughs> is on hiatus for a few months. What? I grew, I grew out a really nice bushy one over the summer. Yeah. And then my wife said, um, you know, honey, you look a little older with that. And it, when, oh, uh, it came off yeah. within uh, 60 yeah. seconds. Like, <laughs> See, so Lynn knows the right stuff to say, right? It's just That's like exactly. she didn't say I don't like the way that looks. She goes, no, no, honey, it's okay, but you look older. That thing was yeah, off. Yeah. Like that so, day. Um, now, so vanity wins out in the end, and um, <laughs> that's why I'm taking my glasses off as well. I can't see you guys now, but uh, <laughs> hey, we look fantastic, and so do you. We're all older, yeah, and we can't we all see. Look and, fantastic. and the words, and, and the words <laughs> of, of yeah. Bill Murray, like, hey, I, we look pretty good as far as you know. As far as you know, <laughs> hey, school's been session for a couple of weeks now. There's 36,000 students on campus. Have you gone out and been able to find another Connor Mance? You know, I think there's always a Connor Matz waiting in the wings. And uh, while I was waiting for you guys to, to come up, I was just texting uh, a few of my recruits because that's what coaches do. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> when they're waiting. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the next Con- Connor Matz already is on campus. And hopefully I, I'm getting ready to sign the next uh, Connor Matzes after that. So, really? so, so yeah, yeah so- we, we have a really good team. I'm really excited for our group of guys. And, you know, whenever you lose your superstar, um, there's a vacancy there yeah. and you always wonder who's going to be the guy that will, will step up. And we've had uh, several guys that were there that were great supporters of Connor Mance. I mean, Casey Klinger finished in the top 10, right? Yeah. which isn't an exactly chopped liver. Um, and, uh, and I think he is, is poised to improve on his uh, top 10 performance at the NCAA meet uh, from last year. When you think uh, joining him, we have a, a transfer who graduated from uh, Weber State University to our north, uh, who had been a, I think a couple of years back, a top 20 guy. Right. Chris, Christian, Christian Allen. Allen, right? Yeah. Christian Allen, yeah. And those two, in fact, we did a workout today, 10 by 1,000 with 60 seconds recovery. I think, I think uh, Dave, you did that workout just the other day, I think. Uh, uh, Thursday. And, and, you know, these guys, they, you know <laughs> I tell the story about how when we lived up by each other up in, in Layton and Kaysville, when I would be running up the road and, and, and you would say, Geez, Blaine, how long have you been running? You look exhausted. And I would say, 
Ed, you know I just left the house. Why, why, why are you dogging me like this? And Ed would have just finished like 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever. He went out and run. He was fresher than me. And I just lived around the corner, running up through his neighborhood there. Now, that was about, uh, you know, uh, 20 plus years ago and 40 plus pounds ago. Uh, so <laughs> hey, look, before, quite, for both of us, for both of us, Ed. Before we <laughs> yeah. close the book on, on Connor, to put in perspective for Cougar Nation, I mean, this is, this is your Jimmer Fredette. This is your Ty Detmer. This is uh, this is your Tina Gunn. You just go down to to uh, Violet Zavodnik. This you go to these spectacular athletes that don't come around very often. Right. And and you had the good pleasure of spending a lot of time with Mance, and you helped turn him into a two time national champion. That uh, is something to celebrate. And also, man, those those only come along once every blue moon, don't they? Yeah, they don't even come along once in a career. Uh, for for most people, since uh, Connor Mance uh, as a two-time national champion yeah. in cross country, there's only I think been four or five of those. Uh, may, I don't know. Check the stats on that. But um, so yes, it's been uh, a wonder and a, and it's been fun because I'm I'm able to continue to work with him. He's now uh, taken on the professional ranks. Yeah. And uh, just last week or two weeks ago, won the U.S. Championship over 20k, which is about half marathon length. And he is preparing to run his debut marathon at Chicago on October 9th. Uh, and I think he's going to have, I think he's going to hit that one out of the park as well. You know, if there's anyone who's going to be suited to the marathon, it's Connor Mance. So it's just been a, a great privilege and pleasure to work with him and to be able to continue to work with him as he's kind of moving in the professional ranks now it has been very fun. And we're looking forward to his debut on October 9th at Chicago. And we'll, we'll stay, stay tuned. He has you some know- very lofty goals yeah and it's going to be fun to see how he does it at uh, 26.2 miles you, you know ed you you did that you you went from five to ten to to the marathon and found found a home in the marathon professionally and, and, and as yeah. olympian what what do you think does does he ha- is is he the kind of guy that has the work ethic and and all of what he needs physically to to maybe be an olympian in the marathon oh yeah no no question about it in terms of uh having physically what's required and mentally certainly as well. There is a, an element of uh, luck that kind of comes together on that, on that race day on Olympic trials uh, on the, that day in Olympic trials. You can theoretically be the American record holder and go into that race. And if you just have an off day or get a blister or side ache or whatever, or don't fuel properly, then it can, you have to wait for four more years. But yes, I think uh, uh, Connor Matz, has all the tools necessary. Uh, I think he's as strong mentally as anybody out there. And, um, you know, the marathon game has improved, uh, you know, since 88, 92, when I had the chance to, to run in the Olympics for the U.S. Um, but certainly he's going to be, I believe, one of, if not our best American marathoner by the end of this year, he'll be in the conversation. Wow. It, it's interesting, you know, back, back in our day. So, and Ed, Ed and I were in school at the same time. We had Doug Padilla with us. We had some great, great time. Ed, you're a lot younger than Blaine. I'm, yeah. I'm not buying no, that Ed, for a Ed and I are the same vintage, <laughs> and we're, we're willing to admit it. And it was yep. a great time at BYU and in all sports, right? Like we, yeah. like our track and field and our cross country, and you know we had we had Olympians running running mm-hmm. for us, and we had you know national, national championships. Champion yep, we had we had baseball team and, playing in the yeah. in yeah. the college worlds. So it was like Danny was taking our basketball team to the elite right. eight. It was a, it was a phenomenal time. But I remember talking to Doug Padilla and, and talking to him about about Ed and and Doug's like, well, I'm a kind of a finesse guy. He says Ed. Like, he's just a machine. He will just physically and mentally, he knows how to take himself as far as you can take yourself 
physically and mentally and then just back off right when he gets to that point. And that's a rare, rare thing for somebody to have that. Does Connor Mance have that? I mean, this is Doug who knows what he's talking about saying, no, that is a machine. Yeah, Doug was coming from a good place too. Uh, And I think part of that was he knew I didn't really have the – the raw talent, at least in terms of the speed side. See, Doug Padilla, the reason why he's a finesse guy is he didn't want to run any faster than he had to because <laughs> he had this incredible gear at the end where is if he was with you, he would beat you by a, a mile, okay, over just the last 400, which is hard to do, right? Um, so whereas I was the guy at the other, you know, slow twitch side of the spectrum who if I was going to win, I had to grind you into the ground from the very first few steps. And um, and I think Connor Mance is a maybe a little bit more of a happy medium between a Doug Padilla and myself in that he has run some phenomenal times, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the 1500 meters, which is the kind of metric equivalent to the mile. Uh, it would probably equate to about a 353, uh, his time in the, for 1500 meters, 354 maybe uh, for the mile. So he's got some really top end speed Yet he also has that uh, kind of grit, drive, and ability to take people into what I've referred to, and it's almost become cliched at this point, in, into the Mance, uh, you know, pain chamber, uh, where he just enjoys seeing how uh, hard he can push the race, and, and, you know, it's a survival of the fittest. Yeah, that's awesome. Ed Eyestone, BYU cross-country coach since 2000, track coach since 2013, on with us on the Wise Guys. Big meet Saturday in Big 12 country at Oklahoma State in the Cowboy Jamboree. On the men's side, it features 15 of the top 30, including number one, Northern Arizona, number two, Oklahoma State, number three, Stanford, BYU's number four, and number five, Colorado. And on the women's side, the Jamboree features 10 ranked opponents, including number three, Oklahoma State, number three, Colorado. They're tied, number five, Stanford, Washington, number six, BYU's number seven. Is this where you get a really good glimpse at what you got? Yeah, yeah, you, you certainly did your homework there because, uh, yeah, the, the, the schools that are the players in, in the game this season are all going to be there. I don't know that everyone's going to be showing all their cards at this, and I, know, I don't know that we will either. It's early in the year. I certainly plan on running all my people. Um, I think between now and Nationals, Nationals is that Saturday before Thanksgiving, so we've got um, you know a month, month and a half, two months uh, to go. Uh, there will be some improvement. There will be some shuffling, but our, the team is starting to take shape, and I think uh, we'll get a chance to see how our team and – this incarnation at this point in the season does against does does against NAU and Oklahoma State on their home course. I think yeah. the reason why uh, Oklahoma State is going to be particularly formidable is because it is on their home course. And this course is a tough one. This course is a um, kind of the Mount Kilimanjaro of um, or Mount Everest of of the cross country courses in the NCAA. It's got a lot of hills mm. in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and and they uh, constructed a course such that it takes advantage of, of all of those fields. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of up and down in this one. You know, BYU clearly has established themselves um, under your tutelage as a national power in, in cross-country and track. Um, what's this transition going to be like into the Big 12? Does it matter? Like, were, were you a national power anyhow? Does, is the Big 12 going to matter? Can you compete in that league right away? Is it going to be good for the program? I think it's going to be excellent, Um yeah, I think it'll be a great opportunity for us. I mean, if in cross country, I mean, there's two different sports going on here, right? Actually, right. three if you go uh, cross country, indoor track, and outdoor track. Right. But in cross country, <clears throat> excuse me, I think uh, 
Diljeet's uh, women team, women's team and my men's team over the last, oh, six years or so, if you would just score the national meet, us against the big 12 schools, I think we win that four out of the six years. Oh, nice. Like yeah. So okay. absolutely compete. So, yeah, so I think I think on cross country immediately we're going to be expected to uh, you know be battling Oklahoma State. Obviously, they're ranked number two in the nation right now, so they're right. ranked ahead of us. So they're a Big Twelve opponent. Iowa State, uh, who draws heavily from uh, recruits from East Africa, have done very well um, at the national meet as well. So I think we'll we'll certainly be factors, and I think uh, I think Tom and the administrators are kind of hoping that we're going to be one of the team that immediately can make an impact and, and, and hopefully be one of the, you know, one of the first teams that ends up with a, with a conference title. So it's exciting for us, <coughs> excuse me, not the, not the WCC is, has necessarily been weak sauce uh, because we've had Portland in there, mm-hmm. uh, which, which Portland has been a perennial top 10 team as well. Uh, and fortunately at the conference level, I think we've taken them on quite well, um, you know, over the last decade or, or however long it's been that we've been, been there. Uh, but they've always been uh, very strong. But I think the Big 12 is going to be a little deeper in yeah. regard to that. Now, then we flip over to the track side of things. Yeah, um, you gotta got to realize, especially with, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma in there right now. Now, they'll be gone eventually. eventually. We're not sure when exactly. Um, but then uh, some of the other uh, teams that are in there are, um, are sprint uh, powers. Okay, so, <coughs> excuse me, traditionally... Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, have to, you know, play some chess in regard to how we're going to get the most points out of our, out of our pool of, of track and field athletes. But I think by emphasizing our strengths and continuing to work on those areas that will be other school strengths, that we can get in it and score the points necessary to again be very competitive at the indoor and the outdoor track side of things as well one more question before uh blaine hits you up for five super yeah, we quick got our questions five super fast just top of your head ones but we got one more before here's a that. here's a tough one that uh that you can change the world if you if you can explain this one but uh how do you get kids to run faster you you recruit the elite players runners in the country and and you get them in your program and then you just need them to be a little bit faster and they're already maxed out how do you teach kids to run faster well i think it's uh it's like anything um you know my old catchphrase is uh, consistent competence equals eventual excellence it's kind of i i, I know i need to trademark that it's yeah. c squared equals e squared and <laughs> consistent so get, competent oh wait we gotta write this down that in the math consistent department. competence equals i'm writing eventual it down. eventual excellence and so so really we're just talking about consistency over time you know um you don't need to hit it out of the park every time you're up the bat but you need to make contact and um and the same thing uh pertains to your workouts (coughs) your work ethic um you're just showing up and you're being into it buying into the culture and then um you know showing up day in day out week in week out month in month out year in year out and um eventually uh the cream rises to the top and eventually that work will pay off. And, and whether you're just uh, an athlete who was lucky enough to be the last walk-on that we're able to keep because of roster restrictions, that person is going to get better according to their talent and their consistency, yeah. consistent competence in their workouts. And uh, and then if you're a 
you know, a blue chip athlete who we've been fortunate enough to recruit in a number of those, right. then the same thing would apply. And then you get the guys in the middle who, who maybe hadn't, weren't developed and you didn't know they had that blue, blue chip. Uh, they certainly weren't blue chips when they maybe came in, but because of late maturation or because they weren't in a high school program that was really well developed and they get in a program and they see guys like a Connor Mance or a Casey Klinger, uh, that and the, the good that they are doing, and they start working with them on a regular, consistent basis, and boom, uh, magic happens. Yeah, there you go. Hey, we just had Austin Colley yeah, on. Magic happens. So magic for him. happens is his. You got the <laughs> C squared equals E squared, and he has the magic happens right when you're doing things on right on and off the field of play. Well, so, mine so, might not be quite as controversial. No, no, not quite. Not quite the same <laughs> as the Utah goal, comment, but. but but yeah, that's it's it's you know, hey, great leadership within your program and guys that have that work ethic and all that, setting an example and lifting all ships is a is a great yeah. concept. And when you got a program rolling, it keeps rolling because of that. So, so that's, that's Ed, cool. Before we get to the five questions, I'm looking at all the things going on behind you. You look it looks like a mission president's office. Are those all companionships you got up there or are they recruits? Are those your athletes or are those your recruits? <laughs> oh, no, those those are our athletes. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I just keep them there because we have different groups. You know, we have we're the largest, uh, you know, when you put our men's and women's team together, you know, we have, oh, what, yeah, 130 athletes or so. So it's nice to <laughs> kind of have them there, especially as we get into track season and, oh, and yeah. all the coaches that are monitoring each one of those and over them. So they're they're wonderful. And the great thing is each one of them have wonderful, uh, amazing stories um, and um you know, have their, their own journeys that they're going on. And we have uh, people like an Ashton Reiner who uh, won a national championship in the, in the javelin this last year, who went through her own, uh, you know, difficult journey in terms of uh, did very well a freshman year. And then her sophomore year pops the elbow has to go under uh, Tommy John surgery. That's successful. Comes back, was ready to go to her first meet COVID hits. And then she had to, wait for a time to you know for COVID to pass yeah and then uh lo and behold she's one of the top ranked athletes in the nation and has a has just a, a tough time uh at her her sophomore year at the regional meet and then comes back her junior year and wins the national championship so fantastic um, and, so and many good stories you know, 130 stories not all ending necessarily in a national championship but all uh going on their journeys as student athletes and we're just very fortunate as a track and field staff and cross country staff to get a mentor them through this journey. Well, I've, I've got, and we had Ashton on the show with us. I love Ashton. She's married to tight end Lane Lunt on the football team. Yeah. So we're right. recruiting their children already, even though they don't have any, but we're ahead of time recruiting yeah. them. And, uh, and I love Ashton's mindset and, and work ethic. Cause she's just, she's telling me I've got to get better. My technique's not great. It's going to get better. I'm going to stay healthy and I'm going to be in the Olympics. And I'm like, I love it. I love her mentality because that's the mentality you have to have. She's she's awesome. And you have so many awesome athletes. Ed knows I love track and field. I hosted the track banquet for a few years back in the olden days. And and our kids all, all ran track. I think it's one of the great sports on the face of the earth. Uh, for, for And, I, and, and uh, man, BYU is right at the top of right at the top of the yeah. national conversation every year in both cross country and track and field. It's, it's great. Let's test your endurance with five quick questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Favorite sports movie? Um, uh, the basket one. Who's Hoosiers? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Okay. You and Marie Osmond and yep. me. That's a that's a no. And, and it was also it was also our new women's basketball coach and the women. Yeah, Amber Whiting. Amber said she likes that. My one daughters. Too. My daughters would refuse to watch a sports movie. Okay, and then I told them you got to watch this movie because in this movie 
uh, one of the kids gets a, sh a shot to win the game and he does a granny shot. And so they went, oh, that sounds cool. I kind of want to watch that. So they ended up watching it for that scene. They love that movie. All right. Who's classic. Hoosiers it is. Favorite singer or band? Singer or band? I'd, I'd say the Eagles. That's classic. Classic, classic rock. Yeah, Dave right and I there. can agree with that one. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, breakfast cereal. Uh, probably go with uh, oh, Frosted Mini Wheats. Hey, okay. one of our live streamers thought you were going to pick McFarland as your favorite movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, some people say Chariots of Fire. You got to go with that. You know, those are great. I don't mind the running movies. But sometimes when you're so immersed in the running, then you're picking up everything that is wrong about, you know, Prefontaine, <laughs> oh, that Prefontaine without limits. Oh, that they look so fake, so staged or whatever. So, yeah, but people are probably saying the same thing about the basketball uh, 1950s era uh, that they demonstrated in Hoosiers. But I love nah, that. Hoosiers. Uh, and, and I appreciate this frosted because you know what frosted mini wheats is? That's a fake healthy cereal. It's 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 wheat, but then they just cake it with sugar. I know. So it's a it's fake awesome. healthy cereal. Okay, I appreciate okay. that that chooses that. Okay, so. well I'll just get I'll just take the regular uh, shredded wheat. No, 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 no. Little bales of Ed, hay. We, we yeah. make fun. Ed, we make fun of people on this show that don't admit that they like sugar. The cereal, cattle so can eat those. We, we got we frosted mini wheats. Mini -wheats. Okay. My, my dad. That's the only cereal we would eat as kids. Is the the original. Uh, because it was healthy, so as an adult now, I'm still trying to give dad, you know, I love his, it. Uh, it's his, so uh, fun. salute, but so, uh, I go with a frosted kind. Favorite okay. running shoe? Uh, I just run in the Nike peg, Pegasus. Nike Pegasus, okay. Nike Pegasus. Yeah. I mean, we're a Nike school, right? So right. i got to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if you want more Pegasuses, in the yes, you need to say that. There's, there's a whole list of these, but maybe there's a favorite. Your favorite accomplishment as a runner? Oh, um, I think making the Olympic team twice in the marathon. Uh, you know, anytime you get a chance, uh, you know, ever since my uh, my professional baseball uh, dreams were uh, <laughs> bashed as a junior high uh, athlete and I had to start running track because there was no cuts in track, uh, then my goals shifted from being the MVP of the uh, World Series to making the Olympic team. So, Certainly making those two Olympic teams was something that uh, was unforgettable and, and a, a great honor for me to represent my country. Well, BYU is fortunate to have you, and we're fortunate to have you on our show tonight. And we wish you the best of luck in Oklahoma, and we hope you'll come back yeah, on our show we, again. We, we love it. And give, and give Lynn and the family our love. We're, we're grateful they give us uh, you for a little bit here and spend some time with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Go Cougars. You got thanks, it. Thanks, Ed. The great Ed Stone, Olympian, head coach, and, uh, boy, mentoring so many outstanding student-athletes at BYU. And uh, happy so, to have him on the Wise so Guys. Ed and Lynn lived by us when we lived in Davis County for all those years. He was coaching up at Weber, and we, we lived right around the corner from him. So we moved to Provo, and Ed's been down in Provo. And I find out Ed's out walking the dog. He lives around the corner from us still. The Stones and the Fowlers can't, can't live far for each other, or the world's not in the right get away place. From exactly. Hey, next Tuesday on After Further Review... DJ, if you can put that up, we're going to break down the Wyoming game. Then we're going to set the stage for Utah State. Cowboy up right there. You see that? Tuesday yep. night, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the free BYU TV app before an all-new Wise Guys on YSGuys.com, Twitch, and YouTube. And then we got Thursday night football next week, which yes, will be we cool. Do. BYU and Utah State yep. hey, and, on and, ESPN. And, and next week, to remind, we got Andrew Rich, um, former uh, uh, defensive back, former safety great hitter, and Riley Nelson 
we felt it was appropriate to have Riley yeah, on to, to. to help us preview that Aggie game. Riley, Riley knows all things Cash Valley for sure. Let's so. roll out a couple of picks, and then yep. we'll say yeah, goodnight and here. send you into the week. Uh, so far in our competition, I'm 24-3, and three, you're 20-7. and seven. Cause I, I, I went Washington, you went Michigan State. No, I just pick stuff because of teams I like, not because they're any good. That's, I, uh, I, I, I do this with my heart. It's not, it's not about and everybody. Good, everybody uh, is following along, especially Vegas, because they want to know which yep. way we're going on games. So, uh, Number five, Clemson this week at number 21, Wake Forest. Clemson's back. They get this one. That's going to be a good game at, at Wake Forest, but I think you're right. Number 17, Baylor, goes to Iowa State. I'm, I'm rooting for Baylor, and I do think they're going to win, and I think they're underrated at number 17. Here's a tough one. Number 20, Florida, at number 11, Tennessee. I'm going uh, Tennessee. I am too, I'm going Tennessee, and I think I think that, I don't know. Florida, Florida got a lot of credit for beating Utah, and I think Utah was a lot like BYU at, it, it, or I don't know. I, th- I don't think Florida's as good as people think Tennessee. No. For Florida, me. South Florida should have beat them last week. Yep. Uh, number 22, Texas at Texas Tech. I saw a tweet today that the Red Raiders have sold out their facility. They're going to th- be... throw it all over the place, and in the end, Sarkeesian and Texas going to win. Okay, I'm going Texas Tech on that okay, one. Okay, that's where we're going to be different. Number 10, Arkansas at number 23, Texas A&M. Arkansas will be in Provo See, this, in this is where I'm going with my heart. I think it's so hard to play at A&M, but I'm still going to go with Arkansas because I want them to keep winning until they come to Provo. I'm going to go with Arkansas because A&M hasn't figured out their quarterback, even though they did beat Miami. Well, and keep my Arkansas has got a gauntlet before they play BYU. They play like three crazy good teams, so Utah, I'm for them. Utah's at Arizona State. Herm Edwards was fired on Sunday. Arizona State's awful. Utah's going to win. UNLV at Utah State. The Aggies will be here next Thursday. I, I, I think Utah State's going to win at home, although UNLV's got off to a pretty decent start. I'm going UNLV on that yeah, so one. So you and I have two different ones. USU, and then Wyoming at BYU, Saturday night. Yeah, I got BYU by 20. Okay, so we've got, uh, we'll have a few uh Yeah, so you got UNLV, makers. and I've got Utah State. That's the one. And then and then you have, uh, um, who else did you pick different? I picked uh, Texas Tech okay. to beat yeah, Texas. Texas. Okay, so those are our two different ones. This day in history, September 20th, a couple of things I think are really interesting. 1814, the Star Spangled Banner is released as a song. Yep, in 68, Mickey Mantle hit his final home run, number 536. 1973, the Battle of the Sexes. Billie Jean King beats Bobby Riggs in tennis. Yeah, but Billie Jean was great, and Bobby was not good know, at that but time. But that was, so. that but was, it was the a big Battle deal. of the Sexes. Uh, Cosby Show debuts on NBC in 84. That was a big deal. 1990, East and West Germany ratify reunification. That was huge. So that, that all these other things pale in comparison to that. Um, in 2001, President Bush declares war on terror in joint sessions of Congress. Remember that. Yep. Uh, maybe you overlooked 2011 when you said the other thing was the... Well... Carly Rae Jepsen released Call Me Maybe. But the, the reason that's big to you is because she performed it at Stadium Fire. She did do that. Call no, Me I'm just Maybe. Boom, doom, doom, 1917, doom. birthday, Red Arbach. Boston, Boston Celtics, Celtics, nine NBA world great, championships. Great friend of Danny Ainge. And our Lavelle Edwards send-off quote tonight. After the Cougars won the Cotton Bowl over Kansas State. He said this. We're the only team in NCAA history to win 14 games in a season. It was just a great experience, and I can't say enough about it. People don't know how difficult it is to get up for 15 games. 15 games a- in college. Amen to that. 14 victories that year. Pretty amazing. Fantastic. Next week, Andrew, Andrew Rich. Rich. 
Riley Nelson. Riley Nelson. Can't and we'll get you ready for BYU and Utah State. So, Blaine Thanks. and I will see you Sunday, uh, Saturday night at 6 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU Sports game Nation Game Day. Two hours. We'll get you ready for hey, the. And if you're at the game, come game. over by the set because we're outside the stadium now on Cougar Walk. Come, come see us. It's pretty fun. Say hey, we we uh, we, we, we watch or listen to the Wise Guys. guys. Yep. Uh, podcast will be up tomorrow. You can get us all on YouTube, Twitch, wiseguys.com. We encourage you to subscribe and um, join us. We're not going anywhere. Th- thanks for hanging with us uh, for a few extra minutes tonight. We had three phenomenal guests. Tonight. Margin Hooks, Austin Cully, and Ed. It Einstein. was a re- somebody said earlier. They tweeted. Uh, this was like a candy store of wide receivers, which it yeah. was. And then to have Ed cap it off, uh, uh, BYU's great to, uh, cross-country and track and field coach was just a great night for, for guests tonight. It's like we hit the trifecta. Yep. Thanks for hanging with us. Thank you. The Wise Guys is out. And the two of us will see you next see you Tuesday. Next